I think there's something wrong here. No, because raisins are awful. Raisins ruin everything. And the cinnamon raisin bagel, much like the onion bagel, makes every other bagel smell like it. I don't think I disagree. So so you go to grab a plain bagel out of a out of like a, a box of bagels sure. and there's a cinnamon raisin there and you can you can faintly smell no, the cinnamon no, no, raisin no, no. and it's just it, it ruins the whole experience. I disagree with you. But you're wrong. <laughs> what if you're wrong? No, that I agree with you that the everything and the onion bagels totally. Uh, but cinnamon raisin, you uh, can put them with anything. They have no odor. Raisins, about them. but but even just even in general, like on raisins, raisins ruin everything. Okay, raisins are just awful. Raisins suck. But do you eat the grapes? Grapes are different. No, they're not. They're the same thing. No. Yes. When you go to bite into like a nice piece of cake or a cookie or something, and all of a sudden you're like, "What is this?" Oh, they put raisins in it. It's just, it's, it's so just, just <sighs> wrong. I didn't know you were raisin phobic. Ah, uh, not phobic. I have no fear of raisins. I don't like, like raisins. Fear. No, it's not a fear. I'll eat chocolate covered raisins because they're covered in chocolate. Yeah. That's about where I draw the line. Yeah. Yeah. Gotham City, like any other large metropolis, abounds in girls of all shapes and sizes. Debutantes, nurses, stenographers, and librarians. Gotham City Library, Miss Gordon speaking. Lopez hair removal, this is Jose. Holy transformation. One minute, plain Barbara Gordon, librarian and Commissioner Gordon's daughter. And the next minute... Something new has been added. Batgirl, modeled after her idol, Batman. Holy apparition! No, boy, wonder I'm Batgirl. You are no longer alone, Cape Crusader. It took me three years to track down the Jade Gato, and three more to figure out how to steal it. Funny, it only took me ten minutes to figure out how to snatch it back. No matter how you do it, crime doesn't pay girls. Stella, and this is Back of the Oracle, the Barbara Gordon Podcast, episode 138. 
the Teen Titans Judas Contract Special for April MMXVII. Backroll the Oracle is brought to you by Pop Culture Affidavit. Movies, TV, comics, music. Pop Culture Affidavit has it all. It's everything random in the world of popular culture, and it's all covered by me, Tom Panneries. New episodes drop monthly at TwoTrueFreaks.com, and be sure to check out blog posts about random pop culture topics at PopCultureAffidavit.com. Pop Culture Affidavit, the sworn testimony of a dork. The Oracle is also brought to you by MileHighComics.com, your new and collectible comic book store. Mile High Comics has an inventory of over 5 million comics from the gold, silver, bronze, and modern age, and over 100,000 trade paperbacks. If you're not into the vintage stock, Mile High Comics also has a subscription service called the New Issue Comics Express, offering a discounted price for comics ready to hit the shelves. So if you're looking for vintage back issues or a great modern subscription service, be sure to check out MileHighComics.com. Batgirl the Oracle is a proud member of the Batman Universe family of podcasts, hashtag TBU family. And please support TBU by subscribing to Patreon, which you can find a link on the BatmanUniverse.net homepage. So this was actually planned, because I think there might be some overlap with my father's site, the Batman Universe. But this was planned, I think, back in December. Because that was actually December 2017, no, sorry, 2016, because that was actually the first time that I had ever read Judas Contract. And I thought there's really no one better with whom to speak about Judas Contract and also the incarnation of the film than this guy, Mr. Tom Panarese. Hello. He's back again. Do you do yeah. you feel like you because it seems like you invite yourself on immediately following when Shag comes on. And I'm trying to figure out what what it is about you and inviting yourself on and, and the placement of when you invite yourself on. I'm a palate <laughs> cleanser, Stella. Okay. I'm a nice palate okay. cleanser. I mean tomato tomato. What if Shaq yeah. comes back on and says he's a pat- palate cleanser for you? Look, I made a phone okay. call. Shaq's not Shaq's not showing up at any point in time. <laughs> what if, type uh, of phone call? I don't know. I can't confirm or deny. You just but, confirmed uh, it. It involves the phrase, leave the gun, take oh, the cannoli. Okay. Does it involve also a horse's head? It might. Okay. <laughs> well, you heard it here, folks. If we ever find Tom is arrested, we've got the proof of why. I don't look. I don't know where the body's buried. That's oh the whole point. <laughs> oh my heavens! Well, we do know where Tara's body is buried, and that's underneath a very um, ostentatious statue of her, uh, <laughs> <laughs> with with two of the biggest teeth you'd see this side of Bugs Bunny. Teeth, you say? She's got. Her comic version oh, the has comic version. big yeah. fuck teeth. This is the who knows uh, why. Well, maybe I don't. I don't know. They just uh, wanted to make her cute. It, is that cute? I don't think so. Okay, maybe it was just. Uh, I don't know. I, I can see they were trying to go for some sort of like cute kid on TV type of thing. It was. I, I could see where they were going with it, but the teeth just 
were it was weird. Well, apparently it was a turn on for Deathstroke, so it works out for him. Um, <laughs> so this is about the Judas contract. And when I first read it in December, I really liked it. And I wanted to do some sort of discussion about it. But I also realized that it's been out for several years. Probably countless podcasts have actually covered it. You know, Tom's Taking Flight covered it to a certain extent. And I just thought, you know, what is a way that it can be different? We can approach it from a different angle. And so we're, we're going to add sort of the, uh, the required reading magical dust to this particular podcast and criticize it and see if it's worth its place, I think, in, in comics. And then we're going to pair it up with the recently released film that has come up. And no promises, uh, because I know with the Iron Fist special, if you listen to that, I said, I'm so sorry, but you're probably going to hear me say, in the comics, a lot. There might be that sort of happening as well as we do a commentary as we watch this film. So that's basically what this episode is going to be about. So if you haven't seen the film, I would suggest maybe watching that before, of course, listening to this. Uh, You could always listen to half of it and then go on. But the first question, of course, is the history of us with the actual subject matter. And I'll go first because mine's shorter and like more to the point, whereas you, I think, have a very intimate history with it. I, Like I said, December 2016 was really the first time that I had read it. I don't remember what led up to Tom lending me all of his comics. I guess maybe we were talking about it. And, I think so. Yeah, and, and you said, you know what, I'll lend you this. And with Tom, you have to understand, both the, a good and a bad thing about him, is that he doesn't just lend you, you know, the main subject matter, which would be the little trade or graphic novel, but he's got to, you know, he's got to cu- kind of sandwich it in between uh, a year before and a year <laughs> after. So he gives me like two years worth of comics. Uh. Um, and what's also great about Tom is that he gives, like, the original comics. So it's not – I think there were two really two like, trade things. trades, probably, one was yeah. Terry incognito, Very cognito, yeah. and then the other one was – but everything else was nice little actual yeah. issues and everything. And so he gives this to me in a, in a Disney World bag, and I thought, oh, gee, when am I going <laughs> to read this? But I did actually. I split it up. I think I was reading, like, six issues a day, and I, I took picture. If you follow me on Instagram, I was taking pictures of, like, the today's homework assignment, and I would read it. And so, yeah, so that is basically my history. It was just very recent. I didn't realize that Tara died. I mean, I remember somewhat when I said that, though, they're like, but didn't you watch Teen Titans, the TV show? And I guess that is true. I did watch that. But perhaps I feel like you're in a different mindset when you're reading actual source material versus watching that. And plus, it had been a little while since I had seen that. So I was like, oh, no, Tara died. But it was very interesting reading all of that, uh, the actual source material as well as everything leading up to it and then following it. So that's my short history. Very mm-hmm. short. Mine's a little longer. Oh, yeah. It goes a little bit farther back uh, into the early 90s. I first heard of encountered the t- new what we were then the New Titans in issue number seventy one of the New Titans. That was the first issue I bought. I had known a little bit about them because a friend of mine just prior to that in nineteen ninety loaned me the A Lonely Place of Dying. Oh, yeah. 
uh, storyline, which had crossed over between Batman and New Titans and featured the introduction of Tim Drake. This was back in the early 90s when New Teen Titans back issues were, with the exception of maybe the first two or three, you know, the very, very early ones Mm – we're not going for a lot of money in the back issue market. So I was able to go and buy old issues, of the new teen Titans for about a buck 50 a piece or whatever, a dollar a piece or whatever at my, at my LCS at the time. And, um, I'm going to I'm going to Mike Bailey this for a minute because Bailey and I have the same sort of weird memory is like we remember where we got certain things or, you know, like what song was playing in the background of the phone call where the girlfriend broke up with me when I was senior. But um, anyway, true story. It was far behind by Candlebox. Um, oh but um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's um, I wrote a blog entry about it. Which you can read over at popcultureaffidavit.com. Shameless. Uh, Well, at least I'm not irredeemable. But um, so anyway, I was in the – it was my 14th birthday. And my parents and I were actually – my family's about to go to Niagara Falls. Mm -hmm. We drove to Niagara Falls, which is like a 10-hour drive from Long Island. I was like right before my birthday and my dad took me to the comic store and he said, you know – I'll buy you a bunch of comics, like back issues. So I stood there and I was, I think it was about like 20 minutes or a half an hour going through the back issue bins, like picking up the comics that I had wanted for a while, you know, whatever. And on the shelf, the very, what was then a very small section of graphic novels and trade paperbacks, because this was like 1991. So they didn't have a ton of them was the original printing of the Judas contract in trade, which had just come out like a year or two before. And it wasn't, I don't think it was just like, 15 bucks or something. So he got me that. So I had known who Tara was Mm -hmm. because of all things, I had went and bought out of back issue bins, the miniseries millennium. And there's a scene where the guardians of the universe start calling out like who they're gonna pick. And they say, there's one among you. And her name is Tara. And Geoforce says, but my sister is dead. So when I heard this thing about Terra, I started putting two to two and two together, and then um, eventually, you know, I read the story. So I read the Judas contract basically out of context of anything else uh, when I first read it because I hadn't really gotten any of the other issues, and then eventually tracked out all the back issues of the series and and read it and saw that the Judas contract is this culmination, literally, of like of at least two years worth of storylines, and if you really look at it. The seeds of the Judas contract were planted in the very first issue of the New Teen Titans. Mm-hmm. So it was a very lo- – like Wolfman and Paris played a very long game. And what I loaned you I think was about those two years and then a couple of the few aftermath issues that were that were key. Yes. And stuff like that. So, with, especially um, with Gar and Deathstroke. Yeah, with Gar and Deathstroke and, and that sort of stuff. And uh, yeah, so that was – it's it, and it's always been one of my favorite storylines to revisit because I just think I love how – even though I know the ending and I know it's going to happen, I've always loved how well the whole couple of years of the Titans leading up to this was put together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, absolutely. and I also love pointing out that, and I went back and counted in our show for our show mm-hmm. notes. Deathstroke had two. I said one other appearance. Two, one, two, three, f- like four appearances. Before or four or five appearances before the main part of the Judas contract starts with like issue 30, like we're before issue 39 of the New Teen Titans. He, he premieres at issue two. 
he shows up in issue 10 and pretty much kills Gar Logan. Mm-hmm. And he's saved in the next issue by the Amazons on Paradise Island because this is back when Donna and Diana were still sisters, like pre-crisis. Then he appears again in out of continuity in the new Teen Titans Uncanny X-Men crossover, which if you've never read it is excellent. It's written by Chris Claremont. It has Walt Simons in art. It is amazing. I highly recommend it. And uh, then he appears in issue 34, which is the issue at the end of which it's revealed that after being part of the team for the last four issues and being part of the book for the last like six and a few pages here and there, that Tara is not a traitor, mm. but she's a spy. And and then from that point on, and then it still takes another uh, – 34, the Judas Contract story first appears in 42. So it still takes at least another year, almost two, mm-hmm. to get to the, to the finale mm-hmm. of the Judas Contract. So, yeah, long game. They did a really, really good job with it. I think – and this is funny because on the Batman universe, we were talking about – currently what's going on there and seeds have been sown now with some sort of watchman coming back uh, because Tim Drake is quote unquote dead but really he's been taken by Ozymandias and so uh-huh. someone said like brought up the question when's the last time we have seen it play out or, or be like this long storyline like that and I knew there was something there but I did not think of you know this and I think this is certainly something that was done right Mm -hmm. Uh, but it it was certainly very long and it took a little while to see the fruits of the planted seeds you didn't get this a lot too back in the 80s I mean Claremont was notorious for doing it in the X-Men and I think there are still plot threads from Claremont's run of the X Men that have never been resolved. Oh, but those story, I mean, I don't have how much. I'm. I think you've read quite a bit. Yeah, of the X Men, right? Yeah, because I try to trace um, or read about Kitty. So yeah, yeah. several. Yeah, and I, I have ha- like one, two, three, four. I have four essentials, and I think I've read five of them. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I have I have a bunch of the essentials. I think the last essential I had has Inferno in it. Okay. So I haven't read all of the essentials. I have just a lot of essentials that I have to sit down and read. But I do know that there are things in like Claremont's X Men that take years to play out. Yeah. And I know that like you know there are some of the better writers, the sixties and seventies, even they had st- like plot subplots and things like that. But there were a lot of comics in the seventies, eighties, and 90, even the nineties that were just you know one and done or two parts. It was just you know it wasn't it wasn't this long. Soap opera, which is essentially what the Teen Titans is. I've I've heard people compare the new Teen Titans to Beverly Hills 90210. And on some level, that works. Because they're kind of these rich kid superheroes in a way. How would you, to someone who doesn't know what the Judas Contract is about, how would you describe it? I mean, what is it about? I think it is, action-wise, it's about a villain infiltrating the team to take them down okay. at the behest of a superhero, supervillain organization. Mm-hmm. But at its heart, it's about a team that is coming apart and people taking advantage of the vulnerability in order to accelerate that mm-hmm. problem. It's about, and it's about in many ways. It, there's a there's a real coming of age thread going on in a lot. of of the stories in, in that in that era, not just in the Judas Contract itself, but in the Titans book as a whole. And it's t- 
teen angst and shipping mm. in a way. I mean, there's like, cause you, this is something that, that, um, that I, I've thought I, it took me a while to realize this too. It took me, I think re like I've reread that whole series a couple of times now. And I've actually got the first me. They've been, they've been collecting the Wolfman Paris stuff in trade. Like okay. from DC Comics Presents all the way up to – I think they're up to the Judas contract now. Mm-hmm. So you can actually – there's like volumes one through – I think I, I have like volumes one through four at home here. And I, I, I intend to buy volume five and volume just, – just to have them so that I don't have to go through my back issues mm-hmm. to read them. And I'm sure I could read them digitally if I wanted to, but I like having the trades. I, you know, it took me a while when the many, many times I've reread this and, and, when I've, and sometimes I've done a full reread from like – DC Comics presents 26 all the way up to like wherever I decided to stop, you know, maybe in the 90s somewhere. It took me one time to realize that um, a lot of what's going on here and then the reason that she seamlessly sneaks her way into this group with Gar Logan's help mm-hmm. is that there, there's seven of them. And maybe with the exception of Cyborg, even though Vic's got his kind of stuff going on. All of the members of the team are distracted by something personal and they're fighting with one another. And they're like, because like Raven's got, <laughs> Raven's got the thing that puts like Shag and everybody else to sleep, the whole angst with her father. Right. And it's distracting her more and more and more and more and more because she's basically trying to hold off her father from taking her over Mm -hmm. and the Baxter series starts with that storyline. And then you have kid flash. Who's at this, who quits the team in issue 39 because his powers are killing him. Every time he runs, he's accelerating his death. And then crisis changed that Robin is going through this like daddy issues with Batman thing where uh, he's no longer a kid. Batman's got Jason Todd at this point, Mm -hmm. Jason Todd 1.0, not, stealing the hubcaps off of the Batmobile version. And uh, that's because, like, they wanted a younger Robin. So, you know, it, behind the scenes, blah, blah, blah. But they see he's going in this whole thing where he'll eventually become Nightwing. Donna, in issue 30, gets proposed to by uh, Terry Long. Um, and uh, that, that's four. And then you've got Gar, who's just kind of uh, – Gar's the one who brings Terra in because Gar's like this this horn dog. Mm-hmm. And who probably feels like he's being ignored. And then you've got, uh, and you've got um, Corey's in the relationship with Dick, and she's trying. You know, she they've just started that, and, and and she might be distracted by him because of all the crap he's going through. Mm-hmm. And she's also got her modeling career and stuff. And then, and then Vic Vic's got his thing with Sarah uh, Sims, which, but at the same time, and this is one of my favorite, my one of my favorite things about um, the last part of the of the comic story is when they were when when the hive has the titans in their supervillain device i don't know what the hell they call it it's basically we're gonna it's like the machine in the princess bride it's gonna suck the powers out of you and in the film we're about to watch it kind of is this machine in the princess bride it sucks part of your life away they bring out tara and he's like you know let me introduce you my associate she comes out and she's smoking because bad girl smoke right and they're all shocked and Vic's the only one who says no wait it's all starting to come together and because they were so, again it was like you know they were so distracted but like you know like thir- issue 29 30 and 31 is this this story of the brotherhood of evil kidnapping raven and like they they are pushing her and pushing her and pushing her because they think she knows something about brother blood and she snaps and like becomes like 
I'm the daughter of Trigon. I'm going to kill you, kill you all. And it like scares everyone. And it's stuff like that. And when you read it in that context, you're like, well, no wonder Tara was able to just kind of slide right in there. Yeah. And they didn't trust her fully either. It was something that was a bone of contention for her too, where she was complaining about how she didn't have a portrait on the wall of Titan's tower and they weren't telling her their secret identities and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So it's not like they were that stupid, but at the same time, it was like, it's just a really good, it's a really good, very slow burn of, of this, this angst and this distraction and this, this, this inner family fighting that that's going on with the Titans. So what are some of the things that came out of it? Primarily Nightwing, obviously Mm -hmm. Dick Grayson stopped being Robin. Um, and then eventually became, and then within a couple of issues became Nightwing. We are introduced to uh, Adeline Wilson, who is Slade Wilson, a.k.a. Deathstroke's ex-wife, as well as her other son, uh, Joseph, who has a mu- who is mute mm-hmm. and has a mutant power where if he makes eye contact with you and wants to, he can possess your body. And his code name was Jericho. Right. We do learn that the Ravager from issue number two was the other son of Slade Wilson, mm-hmm. Grant Wilson. Mm-hmm. And that's eventually – that's how Slade got the contract because it was Grant's contract. They gave – they tried to reverse engineer Slade's powers. It killed Grant and as a result, Slade picked up the contract. So the Hive kind of, Hive kind of manipulated him. Uh, the Hive ends up getting destroyed. Gar really does not trust any new member of the team fully. He doesn't trust Jericho mainly because of his connection to Deathstroke. When Danny Chase comes along, he doesn't like Danny Chase. But in his defense, nobody liked Cousin Oliver. Mm-hmm. Nobody liked Scrappy-Doo. Nobody liked Danny Chase. Um, he's the Scrappy-Doo of the Titans. He's just like, go away. And uh, Gar had a lot of angst and anger and stuff. And then and then the, the, the Raven thing played out later. Donna and Terry got married. Um, and uh, and yeah, it, it changed them in a big way. And then they were in disarray again and, and, and things like that. Why do you – and I think we're, we're going to get to this as old versus new reader interpretation because I think once we watch uh-huh. the film, we're also going to get into old versus new <laughs> viewers. But it's actually – it might switch because I consider you an old reader, not you know your age, but the fact that you have read it prior to this. You have experience with it. We're talking like 27 years worth of reading yeah. Teen Titans, yeah. and I will be honest, I st- – Stopped at the new fifty two. Okay. I cool. saw yeah. I my la I, I, I did buy Titans Rebirth. I thought it was good. Mm-hmm. I haven't really picked up the series. I might buy a trade. So I haven't been following either the Titans or Teen Titans and Rebirth. I've really only been following Superman, Super One Woman and Wonder Woman. A lot of that is money. Because <laughs> yeah. I have other things I buy. Okay. Yeah. Uh, because Superman and Wonder Woman are double and action are double shippers too. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's like two books a month and they're good, but I'm just like, geez, you're draining my wallet. Mm-hmm. And I want to buy Paper Girls and oh. Letter Forty Four. I love Paper Girls. Have you read Paper Girls? I, I yeah. Oh, I love Paper I am Girls. It now. Remember, you oh, led so me astray. Good. You said, "Oh, it's just a limited series," but it keeps. I thought out. it was. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was. I was under the impression that it was. Mm-hmm. It was just the end of a story arc. That's what. It was. Yeah. So I have, I have a couple like individual holes in my collection, but I basically have the whole thing from DC Comics twenty. 26 DC Comics presents 27 up to new uh, up to Teen Titans number 100, which was the end of the old 52. Yeah. So I have a long time Titans fan. Yeah, yeah. So basically, you know, and, and letter column short. resident. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, 
but for the film, I think we might switch because I've probably seen more of the films, especially no- more of this new wave of films than yes. you have. So I think it'll be interesting once uh, we switch over there and talk and ask sort of the question of for whom is this movie or, you know, who is yeah. the intended audience? But why, as an old reader, do you keep coming back to the Judas Contract? Why do you think it is so worthwhile? And then as a new reader, uh, I will give my thoughts on this. One, it's because I love these characters and I love this version of these characters. Mm -hmm. Even some of the post-Paris stuff I do enjoy, but reading the Wolfman Paris Titans is kind of like listening to uh, like the Beatles or... Or the Clash or like one of those groups where the people who were involved went on to solo careers and they were good, but they were never as good as when they were with, you know, the other members of that group. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, and, and then that's there. And I know there are other comic duos that you could say the same thing of. And Wolfman Perez definitely is one of them. They get their relationships between these characters on a level that few writers ever really have. Maybe Phil Jimenez has come as cl- just as close. Mm-hmm. Jeff Johns gave the Titans the shot in the arm they needed, but there were times where I felt that Jeff Johns was writing like his own personal Titans fan fiction when he was writing that because he was like twisting some of the way the characters were around to suit the way he wanted them to be. And he did that with Superboy, I think, more than anything, and with Impulse, which were two characters that I was not as invested in. Judd Winnick, I thought Judd Winnick did a pretty good job with The Outsiders. Devin Grayson's run on the Titans following Jay Faber was hit or miss, and then it just got bad. And uh, I have to reread that, but... But uh, but no, these are just the char- these characters in my favorite form, and this is just it's this way to weave a story in a way that like you have villains that are essentially irredeemable, mm. which I think is important. I mean, in this story, Tara dies by her own hand because she basically snaps and goes crazy and brings everything down on her, but she's never redeemed. Mm. She's never like they bury her quote a hero to kind of cover themselves in a way or, or just put in denial, but she hated them. They never did. She just hated them. Yeah. She was just somebody who was, she was the sociopath. She just hated them. Mm-hmm. And Deathstroke gets some really good backstory. I mean, I love Deathstroke's origin because it's basically what if Steve Rogers had the experiment done, the army thought it didn't work, but it did. And he kept it a secret and decided to become a mercenary. Mm-hmm. And it's such a great storyline, and he was such a great character. And it's and and if you tie in the couple of years worth of stories to it, it's a great buildup. It's just it's it's a it reads like a it reads like a couple of seasons of a really good TV show, mm-hmm. and uh, something that you would like binge watch on Netflix and be like, you know, I want to see the next episode. I want to see what happens. And it and and that's that's one of the reasons I really really like it. I just I think it's just a great continuous story. Plus, it's got gorgeous artwork. George Perez. Come on. Yeah, I know and, how much you like that guy. Yeah, yeah. I've met him. He's very nice. <laughs> My wife has a sketch of his on her wall of her office. Oh. It's it's of Wonder Woman. That's a good so. decision. Yeah. yeah. Do you think, before I answer, do you think that it's absolutely necessary to read those outside issues that you gave me? If you want the full impact of this story, or do you think it's okay that you 
you know, just a casual comic reader picks up the the trade, the Judas contract trade, and reads that. The Ju- I don't know what's in the current printings of the Judas contract trade. Version I have, which was the first version from 1989, whatever, has um, – has the four parts that were officially called the Judas contract, which was Tales of the Teen Titans number 42, 43, 44, and the fourth annual. Um, but it also has the three issues before that, so 40, 41, and 39. And I think they did that for a couple of reasons. One, in issue 39, Robin quits being Robin. Mm. So if you – it just it makes sense because in issue 44, he becomes Nightwing – so if you come in and he's just Dick Grayson and you don't have the backstory, at least they give you that because it just okay, like because you were like, wait, I thought he was Robin. Why isn't he Robin? Like, it, it avoids the confusion of that. And two, it does set a night. It does set you up nicely in those couple of issues leading in that this girl Tara is a spy for this villain Deathstroke because there's a lot of that going on between them in thirty nine. In fact, the first time we see Deathstroke and Tara together in issue thirty nine, she's sitting on his bed smoking na, na, a cigarette na, na, wearing yeah uh, bath- there's a i'm gonna i'm gonna give you this there's a song and professor allen is is like laughing now because he knows the exact song i'm gonna talk about it's called um it's by benny mardonez it's called if i could fly okay and the first line of it is she's just 16 years old leave them alone leave her alone they say it is like the creepiest love soft rock love song ever oh, oh yeah it's like it, i'm gonna go full long island for a second and, okay. and bust out a 90s reference to long island that only like a handful of people are gonna get back in the mid 90s when the amy fisher joey buttafuoco story was going on amy fisher was this woman this this she was 16 she shot um she was sleep having an affair with this mechanic named joey buttafuoco and uh, in order to get him all to herself, she tried to murder his wife, and it became the Long Island Lolita story. And the local radio station would play clips of like testimony and stuff over this song <laughs> because it was just this gross scandal, tabloid scandal type of story. Wow! So, and I was wearing an onion on my belt. Yeah, I bet style. you were. Yeah. Yeah, it's a style for many people. For whatever. It's one of the few things Shag and I have in common. I guess. Or, or did, I'm sorry. Oh, my. Oh, my. Well, let me, I'm going to start there and then back up. And I will say okay. that I think you could potentially read the Jews contract trade, but I think it's also very out of context, in my opinion, uh, because uh-huh. you come, which I guess is true of really any story, but I think some stories are better self-contained than others, because you come in and you have this particular status quo of the team, but you don't know yeah. any of their hang-ups. You don't know that there was suspicion already surrounding Tara, you know, to a certain extent. Yeah. Uh, so you just have, like, this main story and then what happens, and I think you don't feel as much of the emotional impact of the quote-unquote betrayal though i do love her quote in the uh which i don't know if she says it in the comic or i can't remember but in the film she says something like it's not a betrayal if you were never on that side which i thought was an amazing quote i don't think she says it exactly like that okay but she and and i my copy's upstairs but she um 
she says something similar, similar but that, I, yeah. I, I think it, that's a better way to phrase it. Yeah, well, I love that quote because I'm like, yeah, that's that's about right. So you don't feel as much, I think, but overall, uh, I think it's a great story. I will say that the outside reading you gave me, at some points I thought that the characters were really written obnoxiously. And when I texted you about this, you're like, Stella, they're teenagers. It's called the Teen Titans. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, okay. But I guess to a certain extent I expected some maturity. But at least two of the guys, I know it was Beast Boy and Roy Harper, I guess. Those are the two that like basically wanted to get together with any girl well, that was okay, around. So- Oh, are you going to defend it? <laughs> yeah, I am going to defend it. Okay. Well, no, I'm going to explain it. Changeling. Yes. He wasn't sorry. Beast Boy. He I'm was so Changeling. Yes, Changeling. No, I'm, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to be that. I'm not trying to be a jerk. <laughs> I just Changeling. Gar. I think is it Gar was like. I, I always forget that like um, Gar's like the youngest person on the team. Mm-hmm. So he's probably about sixteen, fifteen, sixteen, and he's a he's just a total like. He's a really immature teenager who wouldn't know what to do with Corey if he actually went on a date with her. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm not <laughs> trying to be all like Corey or Donna. Donna and Corey are probably about 1920 at this point and probably about 19 ish. And so like this is it picture like a high school sophomore trying to date like a college student. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be like them. So they he and Tara have this um, kiss mm-hmm. in the Judas contract and she's playing him the whole time, and we yeah. know she's playing him the whole time because the last panel of that scene is her camera lens and a click. Right. But it's a very sweet moment, mm-hmm. especially for him because that's totally – that's love, actual, genuine caring and love for somebody on his level right. without the obnoxious Gar stuff. Mm-hmm. From my understanding, Roy Harper has always been a skis. Okay. And uh, he eventually – well – uh, there were consequences for yeah. for his his skeeziness. Oh, is this yeah. actually is this pre his um his issues? When you um no no this is post the heroin. Okay, but but pre losing his arm and all that and Cheshire way pre losing. Yeah. Well, yeah, because because the in these issues that I gave you is New Teen Titans Annual Two, which is the first appearance of Cheshire. Oh, that's and right. And then yeah. we find out that they had a baby uh, about a year or two later or yeah. something like that. So, but I loved Leanne though. Oh yeah, and she absolutely. was she was one of the bright spots of that David Grayson run where they oh, had her kind of as kid. Ah, oh, so awful! I just just like. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's just like the definition of an unnecessary death in a comic book. Yeah, when they kill off a baby or well, a small child, I think it's you know wrong. But apparently, you know, they killed off Donna's children, and that which was, okay, was I guess. no, it wasn't. I'm just saying that. <laughs> of course, it's not. <laughs> I mean, um, yes, Terry died. But. Yeah, yeah. Well, he collateral damage, I guess. Yeah. What's interesting about the story, I think, is that Deathstroke is a very capable villain. One uh-huh. of my favorite things about him, actually, is Identity Crisis, which is one of my favorite stories. I remember vividly, even though it's been mm-hmm. a couple years since I've read that, but him just, like, taking down the Justice League. In in various yeah. different ways, I remember him punching Zatanna in the liver, so she was throwing up, so she couldn't say anything. Like he is a deft fighter, he's very intelligent. 
resourceful and uh, basically he will take you down. He, he really has no qualms about doing what he's doing. So he could potentially take down the Titans, you know, face to face, though he, he's, you know, failed in the past. So he's probably coming up with some way. But what an ingenious way to take them down from the inside out. Mm hmm. And I think that's what makes this story so special is that you really don't imagine someone being able to insinuate themselves into such a tight-knit group and then, you know, betraying them. And normally you also think about someone who – I think about cops. I like cop TV shows. And, you know, the ones that are undercover for a while, sometimes they gain some sympathy uh, for the people that they're actually undercover with. And mm-hmm. you kind of expect that with Tara. That'll be one of my other questions. But then you realize at the end that, no, she's just evil. There's really no yeah. redeeming qualities about her. Perhaps the only redeeming quality about her is Changeling. I think because you you almost see a positive aspect of her, if only through his eyes. Because I think, uh, he, like you said, he honestly does care about her. I think he grows up in a certain way loving her uh, and then you have that really weird diner conversation between him and Deathstroke. I remember texting yeah. what is going on here? But I think it's just a really interesting way to attack a team is not from the outside not the regular avenue but to slowly sort of take them down, learn their um, about their issues and their powers yeah. and then oh my goodness yeah, so. yeah. It's it's smart on the part of a villain, especially in an era where, you know, how many times is the same thing? Mm-hmm. The villain's coming at him the same way, and he's done it at that point two other times. Because mm-hmm. his appearance in New Teen Titans number two is not as involved. Like, you know, he kind of mops up after the Ravager, Grant, um, you know, and he kind of takes him away. But like in issue 10 and in issue 34, he you know, issue 34 is part of the game because he – issue 10, he comes right at them and he almost defeats them. But I think he realized that's when he starts – he learns. And he learns that, you know, if, if I'm going to beat these kids, I'm going to have to – do I have to take them out one by one right. because together they're a very, very strong group and I can't take on this group alone. And, and he hires Tara and 34, they face off of him and Tara defeats him and it's the whole point. Right. Because she it, – it has to get her – like it's that one more thing that gets her in their good graces. Like, wow, you took out the Terminator. Uh, so yeah, and, and I love how he learns their secrets and he takes them down as civilians. Right. You know, all all of their – the only one who gets taken down in, in their superhero quote moment is Raven because she's at the tower and Tara takes her out. But, you know, like – it's the the intro to that issue. It's, it's part two. It's betrayal. Has that great scene of of Dick Grayson just sitting at a typewriter because it's 1984 at an apartment window, and it's just panel after panel of him just sitting and typing, sitting and typing, and sitting and typing. And this splash page of Deathstroke flying through the window, and they fight, and then it ends with that great scene of him flying to Colorado with the Titans, and and he's just on the communicator in like the Hive main hall, and it says, you know, the contract has been completed. The Teen Titans are yours. Mm-hmm. If there was ever a live action movie of this, or just if there was ever a movie trailer, like that's like one of the big kind of like 
sizzle reel type of lines like the one of the things you put like right toward the end of the trailer like oh my god what's happening it's yeah. it's it's a great the, they knew how to cliffhang that mm-hmm. that entire that entire series too when they had to do you think the story packs as much of a punch if you already know that Tara is a spy I think so cuz I did and they try their best to make it cinematic in its approach. Like they go for a big fight at the end and the anger of her and her bringing it down on them. And they go for this real sort of pathos in places. And I think that, you know, it's not like one of those M. Night Shyamalan movies where if you know the twist at the end, watching the movie all over again really doesn't do it for you. Mm. You know, if I know the ending, I know what's coming up. You know, why am I doing this? Like, I, I find more and more to unpack. Um, I'm not comparing it to Watchmen, but like in the same way that I know what happens at the end of Watchmen, yet I'll still read Watchmen. And I'm not. Yeah. I, I you've probably read Watchmen, but I, I for anybody out there in your audience who's not read Watchmen, yeah. there's a scene at the end of issue 11 and into the beginning of issue 12 that's like huge. But if you go read it over, you still get a lot out of it. And I, I always feel about that. I'm not trying to – I'm just trying to come up with something that, that I can think of comic-wise that like there's a twist ending and mm-hmm. you know, so – Do you mean but, yeah, when so, Rorschach is killed? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah. I mean, anyway. Why do you say it like that? I was just trying – I don't know it by issue. I just need to know the, the story point. Are you upset I just revealed I, what it was? No, still, it's the I did it 35 minutes ago. No. You did? What just happened? Have I not been paying attention who, to you? <laughs> who who is on first? What is on second? I don't know is playing third base. Well, I don't know what's happening either. Third, he's on third base. <laughs> okay. I'm going to move on. I'm sure I'll figure out what happened in editing. What's oh. on second? <laughs> so, yeah, I think. I knew about Tara being not good. I didn't know that she died, as I said before, or else I knew, but I was blocking it out. And I think it still packs a punch, so I, I agree with you there. Do you think Tara ever slips, or do you think she's always evil? Uh, and the reason why I ask this, because clearly the intent was to make her evil through and through. I say that this is the intent because I did read the introduction to it by Perez and Wolfman. and. Yeah. um it was almost a joke because he wanted it to be like the anti-Kitty Pride, whom I love. But there are some moments, I think specifically of a, an earlier fight in the outside issues yet that you gave me. And Cyborg saves her. And then she goes, oh my goodness, you saved me. And he said, of course I did. You know, you're on the team or you're my friend or something like that. And she's like taken aback. And I almost view that as like a a slip just because, you know, she's trying to figure out what's going on. I don't know. Like, I think she realizes their their kindness and who they are. Mm. Um, But do you think maybe that's just like, oh, wow, these are fools and idiots. They don't know what's happening to them. Do you think there's any sort of slip? I kind of agree with you there. I think that there's a little bit of a slip there. You know, there's something a little genuine in that moment. I know the moment you're talking about. And uh, she's like all haggard and she looks like, you know, she's taken aback. She's like actually genuinely surprised. But at the same time, you're right. They're also right that maybe this is just more of a commitment to the character that she has become playing and, and, and become, you know, lost herself self in. Although, you know, it's called into question a couple of times that like, you know, hey, you're going to start liking these kids 
when her in her uh, postcoital conversations with Slade. <sighs> I like how well that kiss is done because of because of the way that what Perez does is they have them kiss. Guard does his. He turns into a bird. He's like, woohoo. And he flies away and she waves at him. And then the last panel is just the black and white of her contact lens camera and, and the sound click. I mean, she recorded it. And you don't have that heel turn villain walking away like, ha, 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 I fooled him. You know, mustache twirling that you would get in some in some ways. It's a little more subtle. So I've always liked that. Yeah, they're, they, they, play, they play it so close to that. They play that. They toe that line so closely because they wanted you – I think they really did want you to believe a first before she was revealed as a spy that she was genuinely a superhero and b that in the end she would turn like there was a little bit of hope she was going to save them at the end it was it was going to be okay and it never happened yeah. and they they got like nasty letters and stuff and I and I wasn't able to um I, I should have gone back in my old issues and see if I could find some of them to read but. They uh, they got a lot of mail, <laughs> and some of it was hate mail. Yeah, because fans really bought it. I yeah, I believe. And I'm, I don't think people are stupid. I, I don't want to say you stupid fans. Like I'm I'm saying that like it was that well done. Mm-hmm. So credit to the writers, not 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 um not making fun of the fans. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And it's hard now because I feel like we almost have come to a trope because. <laughs> especially in TV shows, it's like the the newest person that is brought on is probably going to be the villain, you know, when a villain comes on. Uh-huh. So, and now I think because it just, I guess there's no nothing new now. It, it's sort of a reinvention or playing on a theme. And so I think this came at a great time when it was so inventive, but now whenever this sort of thing could happen again, it's just going to be like, oh, well. You know, Judas Contract already did that. Yeah. So, yeah. That's a good yeah. point. In 84, right after the Judas Contract, DC started publishing another New Teen Titans series. Mm-hmm. It was on Baxter paper. And they did this with the Legion of Superheroes as well. Um, and this was a direct market only title. So the original Teen Titans series became, called, became known as Tales of the Teen Titans. And for one year, from 45 to issue 50, Eight, so a little more than a year of the new t- of Tales of the Teen Titans. They ran original stories that were concurrent, and they ran it concurrent to the Baxter series, as, as a lot of fans call it, the the one from eighty four. Then, with issue fifty nine, they reprinted two stories. One was DC Comics Presents twenty six, and one of them was the Digest, like Blue Digest number eighteen or something like that. And and then with issue sixty, they started reprinting the Baxter series. Which was the uh, so if you ever have a full run and you want to know where do I read where do I start reading the Baxter series you started after fifty eight of the original book because those all those book all those issues take place before the Baxter series the Baxter series first storyline was Trigon coming back well after issue just about after issue fifty more or less of the Tales of the Teen Titans George Perez left that book. To do to um, any because he had also been doing the the Baxter series and he left the Baxter series altogether because he and Wolfman went to do went went on to do Crisis mm-hmm. on Infinite Earths so he, all of his 
energy kind of went to there. And and um, so you have Paris the Senate Court is sort of co-plotting here and there, but you had issue, people like um, uh, Chuck Patton and uh, Rich Buckler and Ron Randall coming in. And the art doesn't take a significant dive because it's really, really still really good. But I just wonder, um, Ron Randall, um, who Ruth and Darren Sutherland cover over on right. Trekker Talk. Yep. And I had him sign the issue that we're talking about where they're in the diner having a conversation. I think he does a really good job with it, but I've always kind of wondered what it would have been like if George Perez had drawn that issue, especially because Perez had done uh, Who is Donna Troy, Mm -hmm. which is a non-action issue of that book that I absolutely love. And one day I'll do like a whole series of episodes just devoted to Donna Troy and the Excedrin headache number one that is her origin. (laughs) It, uh, yeah, yeah. So I just, I've always just wondered if, I don't think it really takes away from the quality of the book. I just have always wondered, like, what if Perez had drawn the whole thing or something? But that's like really, like, really nitpicky fan type of stuff that somebody who's read these over and over and over and over thinks of. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, after all these years, do you think it still has the same impact? I want to say yes. I think it's still a good story. I think it holds up really well. Uh, I think it's on some level might be used as a little bit of a guide to like, you know, how to introduce a, a character or spy, like a character like that. Mm -hmm. She was cut from this mold of this like smart brat. She is. She's a smart little brat. And, but it worked really well because she was kind of like this, she was kind of a punk kid before you got like the, the second Jason Todd. Mm -hmm. Do you think it deserves its place on like the top twenty list? I guess of comics people need to read. Yes. Okay, for casual as well as advanced readers. I would give this to a casual reader who has an interest in the Teen Titans. Okay. I would give the whole Wolfman Perez run to a casual reader who I has an interest in the Titans. But uh, but I would definitely say you know um, I would give I would give this to them because it's it's just it's a great story. Mm-hmm. It sounds good. I agree with it. I think casual readers, I'd be a little scared if only because, well, it depends on how casual they are. Because, you know, some characters, mm. they'd be like, who is this? Um, mm-hmm. But if they have some sort of idea of who some of the characters are, I, I, I think they would be fine. But I think it's a, it's a great story. And I think it does deserve to be on those top 10 or top 20 lists that people yeah. always make. So, And I think it does hold up, too. Uh, you know, obviously, some things might change. I guess maybe maybe we can argue that the movie was what it would be like as a more modernized tale. Who knows? Yeah, I'm sure you'll say something. Okay. Um, no, I I guess if I were to change anything, I would just make the kids less annoying with some of them. I mean, Roy mm-hmm. like hits on Donna after she's engaged. Who does that? Who does that? I I. Don't wanna say him. that's Don't defend him. Yeah, no, it's it's really not very defendable. Okay. He's a he's a skis. Oh, Donna Troy. I know. You know, Donna is uh I don't know. She might be my favorite Titan. I don't know if I've read enough to exactly say what my favorite Titan would be, but I like her a lot whenever I read her. I very much enjoy reading about her. I think she's pretty cool. I agree with you. Um, my favorite Titan has always been Nightwing. Oh, that makes sense. Looks just like, I mean, yeah, like Robert Dick Grayson was the reason I started reading the book. Mm-hmm. But 
if I have a second favorite, it's probably Donna, which is ironic considering my um, my legacy of letters in the nineties. But um, <laughs> but but I've you. but I've come to really like her as a character because yeah. I really like her emotional arc. Mm-hmm. And uh, even even without the connection to Wonder Woman, I, I when you know when that was kind of on the way on the on the side because of what had happened to Wonder Woman, it she still was a great character mm-hmm. and 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 a really really strong uh, strong female character. Um, so I actually really like the Jeff Johns run of Teen Titans. I didn't say I didn't like it. I like it. Oh, I there know. are just like, there there are certain things that bother me. In fact, believe it or not, though, actually the one thing. It wasn't even a Jeff Johns issue. It was a Judd Winnick issue, I think, where they brought back Brother Blood. It was an issue to the Outsiders, and they brought in a new Brother Blood. But before they brought in the new Brother Blood, they had to kill off the old one. And the old one at the end of of a very long and drawn out and really like only hardcore fans read this type of story arc because it was just like, oh, my God, this is how long is this story arc going on, ends up like basically at a monastery in Virginia – not knowing who he is because he's basically been like his brain's been fried but apparently it's been since then he's regained his consciousness and he's turned everybody in the monastery into his followers again and it's this whole big cover thing and he's arms dealing and Judd Winnick has him walking around like Cobra Commander and I'm like no he's not Cobra Commander <laughs> so it was little things like that that would get to me, yeah. but I thought the John's run was well done. I dropped off the book in the middle of the Sean McKeever run, um, and I'm missing a few issues toward the end of that, which is a shame because I really like Sean McKeever. Mm-hmm. I just didn't like his – I heard his, his run had a lot of editorial meddling in it, but Sean McKeever wrote one of my all-time favorite independent series, a teen comic series called The Waiting Place. Oh, okay. Um, which I think I tweeted it at you the other day because yeah. he was he was offering it for free on a digital download, yeah. and I'm like, you should read this. I think you'd enjoy it. But um, if you ever want it, I have a trade. Oh, but, <laughs> well, I guess we're at that place. Where I think we, we are. Yeah, we we stopped talking about the paper incarnation, mm-hmm. the original, and we move on to the recently released film. Now, I uh, do realize that the last time I did a commentary, which was Superhero of the Year, or just Hero of the Year with the the Superhero Girls, that the volume on the actual film was rather loud. So I have learned from this, so it'll be turned down. I have heard complaints, (laughs) so it'll be better. I have, Um, if you just want to know the the crazy setup I have going, you're on my laptop. Okay. The... Movie is on my Kindle. Oh boy! And I have my earbuds plugged into the Kindle, and my earphones oh my over gosh. them, wow. so I can hear you and the movie at the same That's time. Little, okay. So, in other words, you won't pick up any of my movie audio. Oh, sounds good. Sounds good. Well, yeah, it'll pick up mine just because I guess the nature of MP3 Skype recorder. But oh well, it's turned down. Now, before we begin, I, I have to ask you, Tom, what are you going to be bringing to this commentary? I have water. Leftover Easter candy, wow. Cadbury's mini eggs, yes. which I've eaten way too much of in the last few days, and my son's stuffed hero bear. Your son's stuffed hero yeah. bear? Yeah. You ever hear the comic Hero Bear and the Kid? No. Oh, it's so fun. It's such a cool comic. Kaboom put it out a few years ago, um, and, and I was at Baltimore Comic Con, and I had some the book signed for him, and um, he was selling stuffed beanie baby type of hero bears. It's a polar bear with a cape. 
So, but I, I do highly recommend if you can track down any Hero Bear and the Kid comics. They're really fun. Oh, sounds good. I myself have a Jericho cutout. Oh, that's standing next to me as I'm about to watch this. Well, an empty water bottle, sadly, so hopefully I don't start coughing at all. And uh, th- that's about it. An open mind, I suppose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, Tom, you're showing your hand. Okay, so we are all queued up. We are at zero, 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 zero. Yes. So when we, <laughs> when we press play... It'll be black for a little bit, and then the WB logo and the DC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. So we'll be all and then five good. years ago. I yeah. know. Okay. Yes. Okay. Uh, right. So I'm going to count down from three, two, one, play. So this is the commentary for Teen Titans: The Judas Contract. In three, two, one, play. I miss bugs. It's time for Animaniacs. Okay. So I do want to talk about this five years ago here. Mm -hmm. And not the obvious reason of um, Starfire. But... (laughs) Well, actually, let me first say that they brought back some original uh, voice actors and actresses from the Young Justice cartoon. Yeah, is that the same guy who's been doing Beast Boy for like? It's not Greg Sipes. Okay, I don't. But, I'm not very uh, familiar with Flash. Bruce. There and Bumblebee are the same, and so Roy okay. as well is the same. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so with this, I guess I I'm confused why, as a prologue, we introduce Corey. I don't um, know. It's cool Maybe to see because- Dick in his old <laughs> uniform, though. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, because, I mean, we get the whole how she speaks English and everything, but she was already in the previous Teen Titans film. Oh, Teen she was? Titans okay. Justice League. Yeah. And also, and I guess we get the sort of backstory of how they get together. Uh-huh. But I would almost want to see how Tara was first found, you know, by Beast Boy or how she came on the team or yeah. if there was any sort of suspicion surrounding it. Yes, because um, I'm coming into this cold. I hadn't seen – I haven't seen any of the uh, – the. I have like one of these movies on DVD and it's the Wonder Woman movie. And I have, <gasps> and I've seen like Under the Red Hood and The Dark Knight Returns and uh, the Superman, the Superman Batman ones, like Public Enemies and whatever one was Supergirl. Um, but I haven't seen any of these Teen Titans ones, and so I looked up on Wikipedia the summary of the one before this, and all it says is that it ends with Terra on a rock going toward Titan's Tower. Right. So I have the exact same question you did. I'm like, why don't we get like how she, you know, like Titans. Like how yeah. she became a Titan, um, because when we finally get to the actual after this scene, mm-hmm. um, and by the way, these guys look way too much like parademons. They do. They but, do yeah. way too much like parademons. But um, yeah, but we get to the scene that she's already on the team, and you're just like, okay. So I'm like, I just thought I missed something. Yeah, but, and unfortunately. <laughs> When it's now, after this five years, she's been on the yeah. team for a year, we find out. Yeah. So it just seems, you know, from that end credit scene, we should have had more of a, I don't know, 
setting up how yeah. she was here and do a one year, one year earlier, one yeah. year ago, and then have done this. But yeah, and then you've got um, where they're clearly uh, taking a cue from the Avengers. Uh, but um, I don't know. There's just something oh, yeah, about yeah, yeah. like, like I said, if this were like an this I'll say this once and I'll try not to say it too many times I think this works better as a episodic television ooh hello uh <coughs> series um than it does as a contained movie but mm-hmm. we'll we'll get into that Is Corey older than Dick? I think so. Okay. She always I mean she's taller obviously. Yeah. But she and seems she like she's older than he is. Pick her wedge. Um, so I, maybe do you think they could have all be? I don't know. Maybe hinting at a future film where it's going to be a focus on her and Corey and wait, Commander. Commander. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe they are setting that up. But at the same time. There's more subtle ways to set this up, I guess, or, mm-hmm. or something. Again, like you, you have you're not setting up Terra. Yeah. So you're you're kind of letting that that's a dangling plot thread, basically, what you're creating. I will say this: as much as I enjoyed my Brett watches a lot of Teen Titans Go, mm-hmm. and I find that show to be fun. A lot of Titans fans hate it, and I'm like, whatever. But I'm getting sick of it because I've just seen it too many times. And it's like, I'd rather sit and watch Wee Bear Bears because Wee Bear Bears is my jam. But um, I love Wee Bear Bears. It's so adorable. Ice Bear. Um, I like that Corey here comes off more Wonder Woman-y mm-hmm. than she does the kind of... And she's played for laughs and Teen Titans Go, but even in like the comics late, she's come off as a sort of ditz. Mm. At least when when the in the Jimmy Palmiotti Amanda Connor series, which was kind of fun and it was like bubblegum, it was almost Baywatchy in a way. But like, I don't like it when they try to portray her as a ditz. And by the way, do these not remind you of the things in Aliens that Sigourney Weaver <laughs> fights oh, no. the alien queen with? Oh yeah, the, the loaders get they away sure from did. her. You yeah yeah. So so that's Mother Mayhem. Yeah. How do you feel about seeing her? Well, if Brother Blood's involved, you have to have Mother Mayhem. Because she's his... Uh, leading lady. Leading. She's his Lady Macbeth. In a sense. Without a conscience. Yeah. She was always a pretty cool character in the comics. Um, I don't okay. know what... I don't know what he's doing controlling the Hive, though. Why that was necessary? Like, why not have it just be his cult? Because he had a cult in the comic, right? Remember, and it was just, mm-hmm. and the hive was a separate organization. Yeah, it stood for something like, like specter type of thing. So yeah, so I do have a problem with. Um, well, first of all, it doesn't look like Beast Boy or Changeling has grown at all become no. older at all. That was a little confusing from the five years ago. But uh, I don't understand why Nightwing has the red again, because in mm-hmm. the previous film, uh, he was blue. Did, so Now, in the previous films, did they show him becoming Nightwing? Because um, I don't, like I said, I don't know. No, I think it was just, yeah, established. Yeah. Though it's been a little while, yeah. yeah. I will say that... Um, 
to their credit, they make Terra look good. Like the way mm. the, the model, the character yeah. model, it's mm-hmm. the hair works. The, the she has the freckles and the little button nose they used to give her, but they they didn't go overboard on the teeth. Mm-hmm. So she she looks like a it's kind of a teenage girl who's just has a sort of tougher attitude yeah. type of teenage girl and um it it's it works really really well for uh for the movie that was something i really did like about seeing her in the movie mm-hmm. i like um and i like raven here as well i mm-hmm. she really came into play in the previous film okay. which i should say that uh if anyone's watching this now, there might be some confusion, which I guess with any comic that you read, you know, there are ties to previous ones. But there's really a strong connection with the previous one, Justice League versus T Titans, as well as Batman, um, well, Robin, son of Batman, yeah. or whatever it was called. So there are some connections there. Yeah. Uh, the voice of Tara is Christina Ricci. Yes. Yes. Which I, I thought I think she does a great job. I like how it's lower, mm-hmm. so it doesn't have like you. She doesn't sound innocent. Like she sounds older. Yeah. Um, you know, more mature. So. Yeah. Yeah, and they, Wolf the, the some of her dialogue in the Wolf in Paris comics is a little too like New York type. Uh, you know, like you could you could hear almost like a New York accent on her. Um, I'm mm-hmm. glad they didn't play that because th- that this way because it would have been distracting. So, so then we get to the point of well, I guess it, maybe it's too early to say this, but with the current Teen Titans that they have on screen here, mm-hmm. I feel like there's a bit of an issue with why aren't they suspicious of her because mm-hmm. Blue Beetle. I mean, his scarab is pretty sensitive to lots of things, and I feel like he would be alerting him, Jaime, to, you know, like, you don't trust this girl. And I know you don't like him, but Damien, however annoying he may be, um, would probably be someone who'd be like, I don't trust you at all. And later on, we'll see that that is true. But I feel like even now, he'd be, like, watching her and and keeping track. If I'm going to be honest, I don't like Damien. I've never liked him. I know you don't. But I feel that he's kind of wasted in this movie. Mm. And we'll see later why I think that. Yeah, and it's just like, and I kind of get why. But at the same time, I just don't think that it's it's very well done. Um, I like the way Raven looks in this. What's interesting, it was always interesting to me about the when... Uh, when they brought Raven back into her own body with the Jeff Johns comics, mm-hmm. they did de-age her to be mm-hmm. more like um, what was going on in the television at the moment where she was a teenager because yeah. she was she was older, and she always looked older than the other Titans. Um, sort of thinner. She might have been around their age, but she was always one of those, those young women who looked slightly older than her age. And uh, and they 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 de-aged her when Jeff Johns got her back in her body because she was like this living embodiment of a soul for several years. Do you ever ship her with anyone, or do you feel like she's best alone? Wolfman shipped her quite a bit with Kid Flash. Like there was a thing where she manipulated him into try- thinking right. he was in love with her. Um, yeah. There was a time when it seemed like she and Jericho. 
would have been an interesting pair. It mm. never really happened. And then she had a thing for uh, Dick Grayson for a little bit, but... Oh, well. Who hasn't? I mean... Right, well, yeah. I sure have. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm sure you have, too, Tom. I think... Uh, <laughs> I I sort of ship her with, with Beast Boy, um, and not because not just because of, like, the Teen Titans, um, like the old cartoon, but I, I know they did it in the Jeff... It might have been post Jeff Johns, but they were actually they, they did, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was right around toward either it was right after his run or right toward the end of his run. Yeah. Um uh, how do you feel about social media being such a high point of- it fits Gar's character. Um Don't it's, it's dangerous to be out there on the web if you're a hero. It it is, but it fits Gar's character. Okay. Um, well, don't forget in in the comic, Deathstroke takes him out by tainting the glue on the envelopes of these fan letters or something, oh, or yeah. whatever. It's a yep. really it's it's a great little bit, and it's like you know, yep. so it's it's taking advantage. He, it, it it works. The only thing is though that it it'll it having it as tweeter, not Twitter, tweeter, yeah. um, is a little corny, and it automatically dates this movie. Yeah. She gave him. He gave her. A what do you think about this right here? That line doesn't make sense. Knowing that, what like the, the granted, the they didn't the Tamarin line. But then again, they didn't set this up. They haven't set up Tamarin to be what it is. But Tamarin is like this sort of like, um, you know. <laughs> Everybody's wearing like half clothing, and sexuality is just like what it is. And in fact, later on in the comics, she ends up getting married in a political marriage. But like both her and her husband have lovers mm-hmm. because Karis has um, a, a lover, and then she's with Dick. But that kind of breaks them up. So it's like you know, to her, it's not a big deal. So he was the one who was focused on things like monogamy but again i'm nitpicking so while it's a little watered down some of these characters do have some issues that Mm -hmm. they're dealing with i think we'll later see that dick and Corey are having trouble with like sort of leadership who's the leader here Mm -hmm. and jaime is is missing his family and is having trouble there Gar's doing the Peter Parker thing of uh, wisecracking yeah. his way through the Chandler through Bing life. thing of, uh, of wisecracking his way through life. Mm-hmm. This makes me miss Donna. Because she'd be in danger room like this? Yeah, in because in the comic, her and Donna fight on oh, platforms okay. on the pool yeah, in, this, in right. this game, and it's a really great scene. Um <laughs> So, he's just a jerk. Yeah. Yeah, so I wondered here if, like, is she getting intel right now? Mm. You know, asking, is it true what they say about Yeah. Do you think Raven's the most powerful member of the team? Oh, easily. Would you put Corey second? 
In terms of strength, yes. But I think when pushed to a full power, Raven's probably mm-hmm. more powerful. I think Corey always strikes me as the type who could go full power, but it'd be like going Nova, and then it's not sustainable. You know, like, mm-hmm. you know, but uh, Raven, like, could probably keep, like, could, it would build and build and build and build, and it would be sustainable. Yeah. Which is why she's always trying to keep her own powers in check. I really like this scene because um, mm-hmm. it's it's sad. I've, you know, it's full of emotion. You can see, like, the struggles on either side. And then it leads Jaime to, to volunteer, which I think is great. And also the mother is voiced by Maria Canals, and oh. uh, she voiced my favorite Justice League character, Hawk Girl. Yeah. So whenever I hear her, I get excited. I like they, – they've clearly slid Blue Beetle into the Cyborg place mm-hmm. on the team. And Cyborg was always the one who had the, the issue of feeling like an outcast because of the fact that mm-hmm. he was a walking tin can. And yeah. Jaime really seems like he feels like an outcast, like he has nowhere yeah. to go because of this. And I really like – I out of, he's one of my favorite characters in the movie because I thought he was like – I thought this was really well played out because it made a lot of sense and – for mm-hmm. his character and stuff. Yeah, they kind of need to fill the void because Cyborg was on the Justice League, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Poor guy. I, I love seeing, like... That's the closest to the comics t- Titan's Tower I've seen um, in a while. And I know you're living in a building that's a giant T, but at the same time, I just I've always loved Titan's Tower. Um, besides being interviewed by Barack Obama here, um, <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> really looks like him. Um, what do you think of Brother Blood's design? He doesn't he kind of remind you of Ares from Wonder Woman? Yeah, from Wonder the Wonder Woman movie. Yeah, it's he, true. He, I, I guess I always picture Brother Blood with white hair, but maybe I'm thinking more of the actual leader of Hive. Yeah. I think the design is perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. I just don't understand why he's in the movie. Yeah. I, you know, they could have, you know. <laughs> Isn't he amazing? Uh, he only takes it off if he baits. Whatever, Pidge, go get in the Green Lion. Oh, my goodness. He kind of looks like Brandon Routh. Whoa. Dick Grayson? Dick Grayson. There's a little bit of Brandon Routh as the Atom. What's up with Corey in a bathrobe here? I'm... It's Corey in a bathrobe. It's Corey in a bathrobe. What I was saying, that's why people would gossip on Tamarind, and yet I'm walking around in a towel and a bathrobe. Yeah. Yeah. That was one of my criticisms in the actual comic, is that I felt like Guard changed into generally the same animals. Mm -hmm. But it seems like here he turns into a couple different things, which is great. And wasn't he? He was having power issues as well, right? Because he was sort of 
wearing himself out, so each time he changed, he was, like, losing power. Yeah, I don't think it was, like, a long-term effect thing, but I know that the bigger the animal, the the uh, the more, power, more uh, it takes out of him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. later on, he get involved in that whole Trigon Seed storyline in the 90s where, like, all he could form was, like, these monstrous, awful things. Ooh, yeah, nice. it, it was bad. It's, this it's, is a pretty disgusting scene. Uh, is, um, what, what, what's the difference between Brother Blood and um, Deacon Blackfire? Brother Blood came first? Oh, okay, it's, I mean, don't they kind of have the same shtick? It's very, very similar. Um, yeah. Brother Blood. We'll get, yeah, okay. yeah. It's Deacon Blackfire. It's it's a little. It's Brother Blood's played more supervillainy than Deacon Blackfire was, from mm-hmm. what I remember from the comics. He's got all this technology, and he's you know manipulating people. Manipulate people through that to a certain extent. There's this whole legend of that they were like eight brother bloods before him, um, and you know, so he was quote immortal, but actually it was like the son murdered the father, murdered the you know, and like it was this long line of succession of people calling themselves brother blood in this nation of Zandia in Central Europe. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, Deacon Blackfire is. Uh, Dickie Blackfire had this sort of David Koresh, Jim Jones thing that um, for all of these, uh, you know, um, low low on the totem pole, like, you know, down on their luck people in, in Gotham and mm-hmm. things like that. Um, Brother Blood, I swear, there's a lot of, like, Vlad the Impaler in there. Like, you know, that sort of type of figure. I guess that's the best. Yeah. Is there, is this an Easter egg, Gabriel's Horn? It is. It was, um, it is an Easter egg for, like, I want to say, like, the Bronze Age Titans. Okay. And I'm trying, it has something to do with Mal, um, and Bumblebee, Duncan. yeah, Mount Duncan gotcha. and Bumblebee, yeah. So I and I'm I'm trying to rack my brain. I'm somebody could probably email in and, and tell you. Um, and I up in my up in my room, I have like uh, the Teen Titans index from that that Eclipse put out years and years ago. And uh, yeah, so Tracy's cute. Yeah. And I think did she take the place of Sarah? Would you say? In a way. Okay. Yeah, Sarah. Did Sarah do work? Did she work with like Sarah? Sarah volunteered with paraplegic kids who had um, artificial limbs. Mm, Okay. Which makes sense for Sarah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was the first glimpse of being sympathetic to Tara. Yeah, that she had this. um, They they didn't. Yeah, she's not Geoforce's sister (laughs) or half sister. And she's called a monster and yeah. basically is treated like Nightcrawler. Yeah. Here we go. Oh, well. When I first saw this guy, I was like, oh, look, it's, it's Jericho. Jericho. But then once we see what happens, I was like, wait, that can't be Jericho. I do have a question about this once, once uh, after what happens happens. Does uh, Brother Blood, does he um, have relations with Mother Mayhem? In the comics, yes. Or just, 
Okay. Because there's an episode, there, episode, there's an issue after the whole Brother Blood thing is done where she's carrying his child. Okay. And it's toward the end of the Brother Blood thing, you know she's carrying his child, and she's afraid that it's going to be another boy, and it's going to be new Brother Blood, and ends up being a girl, and, and nothing ever comes of that. It's just basically, oh, it's the end of the story, she's fine. Okay. I just wondered. Okay, so he's basically, the life force of those normal average human beings has been drained into this faux Jericho character. Mm-hmm. He's about to get hit. Hit. With a crowbar, like Joker yeah. after a Robin. I know. And then this happens. And so my question is, how is he able to be killed by the bullet? And notice he doesn't speak, which I think is interesting. But That's a very good question. Because she just walks up and shoots him. Yeah, I have no idea. Bless you. See, what? What? How is he, huh? Yeah. That... That doesn't make a lot of sense, to be honest with you. <laughs> but that was basically the moment I was like, oh, that can't be Jericho. Why would they kill him off? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. We'll see it. <laughs> and I thought that they yeah. did it as just Easter egg to kind of like, you know, poke, poke at the fans a little bit. Here they are. We do. We are kind of focusing on her. I wonder if we're going to do some Tamaran. Maybe. Would you watch a movie about Tamaran? If you, you want to do a commentary. Okay. I don't know. Do maybe I might go back and. <laughs> I maybe. Want to do yeah. Maybe. I mean, okay. you're the whole reason I'm watching this. So. I know. Well, I just feel like a movie focused on Korean in space. I don't know if people would be as interested as something yeah. else. But then again, I don't know where we go from here. But I guess yeah. we'll. That's a question I have at the end because you know more than I do. That reminds me of when Jean. Oh, sorry, Jean Grey has her issues. And she shakes the whole house, you know. Mm-hmm. Raven's got a very anime character design to me in this movie, oh. and this is coming from somebody who's whose <laughs> experience with anime is Robotech and Voltron. So you're not talking to anybody. Don might be able to tell you if I'm being accurate or not. Shut up, Pipsqueak. Yeah. So now I feel like now we're getting to some suspicions because she yeah. was able to touch her, mm-hmm. and I think and now he's I think a little yeah. wary as well. Just like I just the, feel like it's taking too long. She's been there is. for a year. People. Well, yeah, and just like in the comic, but in the comic it was like you know I, I I think she's evil, but at the same time like my father's evil is you know trigon trigon trigon, and so right. you know that clouded her judgment, and it was weakening her and stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Miguel Ferrer, who passed away, does the voice of Deathstroke, um, and was a big comic guy, and he was one of those hazed stack guys. Um, First movie I ever saw him in, of course, was Robocop. Oh. So, uh, as the the guy who created Robocop. But I just, I I like his performance. Mm -hmm. I think he did a great job. Deathstroke in this is so one-dimensional to me. Mm. You know, like, it because knowing the Judas contract and knowing how much of his backstory we get and how much we see at that Slade actually by the end of that is kind of done. 
that's the other thing, the other subtext running through the Jews contract and, and toward the epilogue is that he wants out. He wants out of this life. He ends up going to Africa. Deathstroke does not appear in another comic book with the exception, I think, of like a panel or two of Crisis and like a flashback sequence until the New Titans number 62 in like 1989 mm. after issue 55 of Tales of the Teen Titans. I mean, that's years because he was just kind of like, I'm done. And Wolfman put him out to pasture, and they, you know, and he was, uh, and, and that was the subtext of the Judas contract. And here he's just one dimensional, I hired you to do this. He's a hired thug. And yeah. I don't like how that's done in this movie. And they don't have the backstory of his son and getting, no, yeah. you know, vengeance for his death and everything. Yeah. Because it's personal as well as professional. Mm hmm. And, like, I loved Adeline in The Judas Contract because she, I mean, she was, there. there's, I mean, I mean, Peggy Carter wouldn't come along for years, but there's something very Peggy Carter about her and and the fact that she notices every move. And, she, and, and at one point she's basically, in the story, is like, you know, you're slipping. You, you mm-hmm. wouldn't have hired this girl. Like, what, you know, she knows what's, she, she can tell what's going through his head. Um, and that's what I love. That's one of the things I love about the Jews contract. The whole thing with him trying to control the scarab and everything is interesting. Even though I saw it completely out of context, I can totally, um, I can totally get it, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I knew who he was cause I had read yeah. infinite crisis and I'd, Read a little bit. Here I feel like he always sort of struggles mm-hmm. with it. I, at first, I didn't understand why she looked at him like that, but it's because like he basically took the leadership role again. Uh, okay. She stares. He's him mansplaining. Yeah, mansplaining. Sure. <laughs> Oh my! <laughs> there it is. Right it's a well that. done fight. Oh yeah. Um, the animation's pretty good. Mm-hmm. There's a scene later involving levitating rocks that's really not done very well. Um, this is done very the not the flashback, the him wrapping oh. her up in. I, in fact, she actually says, I'd rather kiss a Wookiee or something. She makes a Star Wars reference in the comic, and they didn't do this in the comic, but this is where that, that fight in the snow where she snaps. And yeah. she's, like, sitting off volcanoes. Like, she, like, really just, it, she lets it all go out, and then she talks about, like, the terrorist that held me hostage. That was the backstory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which was a lie. Yeah. Well, that was the other but, thing. Her story kept changing. Yeah. It was kind of like Joker's multiple choice thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so there is sympathetic scene again, right? We are like, yeah. well, of course. She's like, that look what no, happened this, to her. Exactly. It's like, you know, some people actually are just evil. <laughs> yeah. Do you think she actually is sorry? The thing is, like, they haven't revealed that she's working for him yet. Yeah. And you kind of believe it here, 
and I, I hate to be like in the comic in the comic, and I'm gonna try to not do that too much, but in the comic, she's freaking out. She's like, "You gotta believe yeah. me! You gotta believe me!" Because she's like, "Oh my god, I blow my cover!" And then yeah. the next the next panel is Slade's eye and patch, and he's like, "You've made a grievous mistake, Tara. Yeah. You know, only their naivete has allowed you to stay there." And it's like, mm-hmm. it's one of those great scenes. Yeah. I like that line though. I think that was one of those slips that I mentioned because yeah. she says, uh, "What's wrong with you people looking around?" I mean, even yeah. Beast Boy is like, "Sorry, you know, it was my fault. You need, need to apologize." That's true, Damien. Damien's wise beyond his years, Tom. I wish you wouldn't be so hateful. <sighs> do you like the uh, the choice of the eyes that they do for Corey there, where you can kind of see a pupil behind it? No, I think I'd rather just have it a solid... Green, green? Green, green, yeah. You but can't tell where she's looking. I like, I like the costume. I like mm-hmm. the build on her, too. Um... Because she does look proportional mm-hmm. in a way. Like, she, I mean, Corey's got big boobs. Yeah. Corey's always had big boobs. And it's, you know, with the exception of the, the, the other cartoon, every time you see her, um, especially she's drawn by Adam Hughes, she has <laughs> very large breasts. And in some cases, artists would give her, like, they would be disproportionately like you know mm-hmm. like, like lady death vampirella sized oh dear and Perez did a good job at making her proportional because she's like she's like my height or even slightly taller she's very tall mm-hmm. so but they they give her yeah she's taller than nightwing they give her this very muscular statuesque um feel that's why i say i like seeing her more on the level of a wonder woman than on um the level of the kind of, you know, bim, bimbet type. Perez, I think his inspiration was Red Sonja. Oh, interesting. So here we have sort of a round two fight because oh, okay. we've seen something similar in, in Son of Batman. Uh, and that's where this hatred comes from here. So there is a history between these two. But uh, the unfortunate, I mean, we're about 20 minutes into the film. And Tara's about to be revealed, and I thought to myself, oh my goodness, we're only 20 minutes in, and already the geek is up. Uh, and I think that gets to your point of sort of taking, uh, I was going to say Tim, uh, Damien out of the game so soon. Which is a bummer. Yeah, I mean, I don't like Damien. <sighs> I know. Yes, thank you. That's the I, second time you said it. Three, I, if you count I, me. I liked some of the back and forth between him and Dick. Yeah. Because they they do have a good. They're good foils for one another. Mm-hmm. But if you're gonna have this character and he's gonna be the rock, like the, he's he barely appears for yeah. like so much out in here up until the end. He's like gone, and I guess like. It makes sense story-wise, but you kind of wasted that character. Mm-hmm. Like, have him... If you're going to do that, have him have his, like, Wolverine in the sewers moment. You know, from Dark Phoenix? 
Like, have him escape, have him scrap it out, you know, like, yeah. I mean, give him that if he's that cool of a character. He could very well be the Wolverine of this group. This is kind of funny. This is cute, yeah. Especially since Tracy's like, looking, well, I've heard that sound before. And he's trying to explain, like, sexual attraction. <laughs> to his little scarab there. Yeah. You see, when a man in a... You kind of do wonder, like, what would happen? Would it just get out of control? My students have to do family life and sex ed this this these next couple of weeks in gym class. And they're coming in like every day. <laughs> like oh, I you can't believe what they're saying. <laughs> oh, I can't kids. believe what I'm seeing. Oh Ugh. God. When I saw this, I said out loud, What the fudge? Because I what on earth? And I, I actually believe that you actually said fudge. I did actually. Only I didn't say but, fudge. No, <laughs> it's the queen mother of all words. The F yes, dash 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 no, word. Wait. No, but seriously, why? Oh my gosh! I mean, that's just. I guess we're height. We're heightening the fact that she's just a kid because clearly she overdoes it with the, the makeup there. Yeah. But oh my gosh, I can see her navel. I didn't notice that before. This seems more scandalous. Like, I know it's scandalous in the comic, but at least she does look older, so it's like, ugh. But this is well, creepy. Here's a, the two things about the, this in the comic. The comic... The comic's slightly more scandalous because they've clearly slept together. Yeah. Here, it's like she's coming on to him. You know, yeah, whether or he's, not... Yeah. He's kind of... The other thing is... In the comic, she tells the Titans she's 16. Mm. I'm not sure she was. Yeah. Like, you could no-prize it by saying that she was clearly over 18, that she was just, um, she was lying. Yeah. And it would make sense. But then again, it's also kind of, it's, either, either way, it's like, ugh. Yeah. Here, uh, symp- sympathy scene number three but you can see why she's attached to him of course because he saved her um but it is interesting because you can clearly tell that he doesn't want a physical relationship with her yeah but he's you know like holding her off until the end and always promises her like we can be together yeah in all ways as you want so yeah exactly she's wearing make bad girls but- wear makeup too they're not oh going to show us. Yeah, well, that's terrible makeup. Well, wait until the end when, like, all of a sudden she's shaving part of her head and she's got piercings. When does she have time? That girl, do yeah. When she have time to do piercings? I know. Maybe right? Deathstroke said, "Let me hold this apple to your ear." She went to the mall. Maybe Claire's. <laughs> she, the piercing pagoda. Oh. <laughs> Claire's. Claire's is yeah you go there. Yeah, I know I know you go to I know what Claire's is. Oh. I know Claire's is still around. It is yeah. This is what do you this think is about kind it? of funny. The red this yeah. is such a the red Sonya esque like you know <laughs> you hear the coded theme playing in the background. Although honestly, anytime I see Corey, um, mm-hmm. like Corey to me listens to Van Halen all the time. Mm. Wow. So she's flying through the air in action. I hear Panama. (laughs) Panama. It just works so well for Corey. I don't see her using weapons, though. 
So no. I don't know why she's amassed that collection. Um, so here's yeah, some of her self consciousness. Though Dick doesn't really help as much. No, he because doesn't. he's yeah, sort of. Um, I have a question about Barbara Gordon because you know this is the Barbara yeah, Gordon Barbara podcast. podcast. And um, also because we've got Dick and Corey right here schmoozing it up. Do you think there's a place for Barbara Gordon in this line of movies here? Or do you think that they're just going to consistently have Dick with Corey after seeing this film? Um, what do you think? Unless something happens to break them up. I don't know. <laughs> it, yeah. is, are they keeping... I I refuse to watch the Killing Joke, and because because I just I I don't like the um one you remember one of my res- I don't know if you remember when I wrote I wrote into your special and one of my responses to reading it was I paid fourteen dollars for this, um mm. not the movie but the book, is that going to be considered in continuity with the rest of these movies or is that just a standalone we adapted this thing because for some reason we think it's like the best story ever when it's actually awful thing yeah i'm not sure um and i remember someone like very with with some vitriol was saying that of course it's in continuity with everything on one of my facebook things and i said well i don't know how huh you're being bat-splained too Maybe, I don't know. But I said, I don't know how, how that can be true because at the end of, now I don't remember what it's called. Killing but the, the, no, the one where Batwoman made her appearance in this animated universe. Um, oh my. I'll think of it. But anyways, at the end of that, you see Batgirl in her burn side where oh, okay. that's the end credit scene. Maybe, and I so mean, I don't know how you would connect that with Killing Joke, mm-hmm. but then I hear that at the end of Killing Joke, you have an Oracle end credit scene. Yeah, I don't know. I I, um, I suppose you could bring Barbara Gordon here. The, th- the thing that's so odd about the, the Dick and Babs relationship and the Dick and Corey relationship is they are so separate from one another. Like in, in terms of when it happened... Mhm. I don't know. Wait, think about, when I saw this pop song, I sorry to interrupt you. Okay. I just thought of you. I was like, I wonder what Tom thinks it's pop song right now. Well, <laughs> we need a montage. Uh, yeah. Uh, continue with what you were what were you saying about Barbara Gordon? Yeah, um, yeah. Well, I just remember in the comics, uh, his relationship with Corey ended in '94, right before Zero Hour, and then. He and Barbara got together like later in the day. It's like there were a few years that went by in the, in in real world time before they got together. So the idea was that like it wasn't until like Nightwing Annual Two where they seemed to shoehorn like right. him and Bar- Barbara back and forth for years. It was just kind of like mm-hmm. he was dating Corey and then they broke up and then he kind of did his thing okay. for a while and that included the Huntress and then he. Um, mm-hmm. And then he started dating Barbara. So you could very well like I, I just I don't think I don't think you have to have a love triangle. I think that's the point I was trying to make. I don't think you need a love triangle. Yeah. I think you I just, just had to close it 
close the door on this relationship. And yeah, then... yeah. In fact, I might. That would be that would be a pretty good way to do it because the love yeah. triangle is the go-to story, and that's kind of hack at this point. It's like, yeah, close yeah. the door on one relationship and start the other one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Batman, Bad Blood was the one that I was thinking. Of. Okay, okay. Yeah. Maybe I'll go back and look at these. I, I have never, if I can find, just get them on Netflix or something. Yeah. You oh, know so who I miss is his little BFF. What's his name? Wintergreen. Yeah. I loved Wintergreen. Don't you think we're missing something here? We are missing something here. Wintergreen was, um, yeah, Wintergreen was his his confidant. His he was his Alfred basically, in a big way. Um, and. Uh, Wintergreen was what made the Deathstroke ongoing series, at least um, the first, like, a number of the issues, especially early in the run, really, really good uh, from the 90s. So. Ooh, they're cursing in a cartoon. Well, I think someone said the S word earlier. Yeah. And uh, Deathstroke's got a couple. Corey with the hair. She's she does have nice hair. Does does Gar refer to Tara as Mama the same way he does? He did one time, yeah. Okay. Um, in the first fight <clears throat> versus those hive people, he said, "The next one, your next one, you the next one's yours, Mama." And then you have the thing that always cracked me up about that because he does it on on Teen Titans Go all the time, right? That's what Slater calls Jesse on Saved by the Bell, and I just oh, and, and that's, that's true. What I think of. He does. Yeah. I'm so excited. I'm so <laughs> scared. That was that was a scary episode. I remember thinking, "What what's happening?" Because I was a young child. You know, you were a young child. I was a teenager, and just looking at this, going, "What the hell am I watching?" Although You're probably thinking, I've I had take those, those every day, and that hasn't happened to me. I I have coffee every day. That doesn't happen to me. Although I have <laughs> had that feeling of like I'm going to just like self destruct, and I am going to like take everybody with me, especially lately. Oh dear, um, that's scary. Yeah. Like an animal. Um, no, I've, I've had the freakouts. Oh dear. I forgot to mention regarding this film that it was actually slated way before this. Yeah, they, they um, announced Maybe like this. 2003, like early 2000s, and then it was yeah. canceled. Mm-hmm. And a little little tidbit about Stella here is that I wrote in, actually, to... This was pre-Backrow um, Year One and, and all of that mm-hmm. stuff that I tried to get it back into production. But I wrote in, like, a nice little letter of, you know, please put this back into production. This is the reason why. Uh, so there's my little. I could have mentioned that history, but wow. it's interesting that it has been resurrected. Yeah. After this, but I'm sure it's a very different film than what they're originally going to do. Probably, probably. I've only done that once in my life to save a TV show, and it didn't work. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. I mean, I have a T-shirt I put from it. Own. You have a T-shirt from it? Yeah, they were for back to year one. I no, got no, it was. Of, oh. oh, really? No. Finish your story. I'm sorry. I'm talking over you. It's rude. No, that's okay. I got a DVD of Mad Love and um, the Moshe comic 
and back row year one the motion. Oh, that's cool. It's cool. And a nice written letter. Yeah. No, a fan group I was uh, part of for a, for a late lamented television show was selling T-shirts to pay for an ad in the Hollywood trades. Please save our show. Mm. It was back in the late '90s, early 2000s. The show got canceled, I'm but sorry. I had the DVD set. What is it? My so-called? Nope. Freezing Geeks? Yeah. So I have a I have a McKinley High School gym T-shirt. Oh. And on the back it says "Dodgeball is a pretty stupid game, isn't it?" Oh dear. It's a cool shirt. I still wear it. Yeah. I'm surprised they're not more disappointed that they haven't got that guy alive. Yeah. It's just like, eh, he's dead. Move on. What's up with that? <laughs> oh, man. Dun, dun, dun. He's got some history. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, so he's got the the old costume in the in the pictures. What? Yeah, I know. What do you think about this red costume here? I didn't like it in the comic. Yeah. So I don't like it now. I I prefer the I blue. Just, yeah, I do too. I don't understand why they switched it back when the previous yeah. film was this. Yeah, my favorite Nightwing costume is that one with the blue, like that that um, started with the Chuck Dixon series. Yep. So. I have a, I have a kitschy sort of love for the disco collar, but uh, yeah, extra vigilant. What do you think uh, about Kevin Smith making an appearance? Uh, in the context of how things go down, it works. At the end, uh, it's just oh my god. Look, <gasps> Fat Man. <laughs> Fat Man on Batman. Fat Man on Batman. Slade must have gone to a lot of trouble to set up an entire comic convention. I know, right? I like this moment because he's actually quiet for once, you know? Like, he listens to her, and he just, to a certain extent, he's almost content to just sit with her. Oh. Little froggy. If a frog started talking to you, would you say, Gar, is that you? After the shock wore off, yeah. Um, at first I wondered, wouldn't it be funny if it was actually just a regular frog and she's mm-hmm. like talking to it? And then it hops away and it's not him. I was talking about her look before. His look is pretty good. They do a pretty decent look at getting just a very normal looking teenager vibe out of like their hair and things like that in a way that comics don't always do, mm-hmm. you know, um, comics tend to overdress teenagers in like fads of the time for the fashion and stuff like that. And it always looks dated. These two look very just every day mm-hmm. in their street clothes. I think it really works well. It gives them, it makes, I think it makes this moment work very well. I think you're right, though. I like how he's letting his guard down. Yeah. Because his, his guard is like this smart aleck, you know, kid. And mm-hmm. her guard is this tough, you know, 
the green hair. The thing, I don't know how much of his origin they've given, though. Because, like, his origin's really tragic. Because, like, everybody around him yeah. has died. Like, yep. his parents died. The Doom Patrol died. I mean, it's like... Oh, dear. Here we go. <sighs> and the fake-looking CGI rock start levitating. Oh, is it's that so what distracting. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, it's like the heel that, you know, in older movies when the lady lifted her heel? Yeah. Just kind of like that? No, no, no. I don't mind the rocks levitating. It's just they look really bad. You didn't like the, the design. It I just didn't look good. Do you think you'd kiss someone who had green skin? Yeah. If I thought she was cute. Or if she was She-Hulk. Oh, Jennifer. See, I want to fight. I want to see Jennifer fight Corey. <laughs> oh dear! Shag wants to see Jennifer fight Corey. I'm sure. Oh. I've always tried to. You ever try to cast live action movies from some of these things? I have no idea who they cast in some of these movies nowadays. Yeah. Like, the Titans lends itself to a very diverse cast, too. Mm-hmm. Dakota Fanny would probably be a good Tara. Mm-hmm. Because she looks sweet and innocent. <laughs> yeah. Until it's too late. Or, um, what's-her-face? Uh, Chloe Grace. Um, oh, yeah. Moretz. Uh, yeah, that's who's A.K.A. Hit Girl. Yeah. With our luck, oh, they'd cast that girl from Paper Towns. Oh, no. Carla, what's her face? Clara, Delving. Carla, yeah, yeah. Carla, right? No, that sounds very wrong. Maybe it's Clara. Hey, Harley Quinn. What? Oh, it was a cosplayer? Yeah, there was a Harley Quinn and, and a kid. It looked like a kid in a Superman t-shirt walking behind him. What's really bad is, like... Deathstroke must really think he's an idiot because he put that do not press sign. Um, have uh, you teach middle schoolers? <laughs> I teach high school sophomores. Uh, I think it's Cara, Cara Delevingne. Okay. But anyways. And here we go with the Corey can't cook bit. Well, do you think she can't? Probably not, but it is, it is kind of cute to see them in this sort of Sitcommy domesticity, yeah, like Rachel Green trying to make a trifle type of thing. Oh, good. Meat Isn't that when good. she put the beef in there? Yeah, beef. Because the stick together. Yeah. Um, I think she has too many things going. Why would you need all those three things? Yeah. Even with spaghetti, you'd only need two. Yeah. I wish she. Well, I think she learned her lesson from Barbara Gordon. Yeah. So this is this. Yes, yeah, she did. This is true to the story too. With the yeah. gift and the. Yep. They dress her very well, too. Mm-hmm. You like how he's able to. 
bringing his little lock picking mechanisms. He's probably wearing his. You think he robs belt. bank on the side? No. Okay. Bruce isn't giving him enough of his inheritance. He's got that Batman money. It's like it's it's basically like Seinfeld money. This is what so, yeah. this is what bugged me. Okay. When this happened, this is happening almost exactly like it did in the in the comic. Like mm-hmm. Cyborg was taken out by the the thing hooked up to the chair. Corey was taken out by the gift. Gar yeah. was taken out by poison envelope, but by his vanity, which really works. You'll see the way mm-hmm. Raven gets taken out. It's the same way. Uh, Donna Troy was taken out by. You couldn't do this now unless she was like a total hipster about it. But uh, the darkroom chemicals mixed oh, that's and, right. and, and yeah. gassed her. Um, but he was the last one, and then went back and traced it back. So he didn't know anybody was gone when Destro tried to get him, and he escaped. And then he went back and found everybody else that had already been taken. Mm-hmm. And it was him being. Um, a detective, which he's doing right now, but it's just, it was more urgent back then where it was like, you know, he, he already knew something was up and he was trying to put the pieces together and like, Oh my God, how could I have missed this? And, you know, like I was saying, the team just being in disarray like that. Do you think he's the hero of this story? I don't know who the hero of this story is. Can I say Why does he look like he needs some sleep? He's got some major bags under his eyes. Here's the thing. Like, why are they living in a high rise? Shouldn't they be living in some like Greenwich Village, like three or four story thing with you know, like the apartment and friends? Oh, especially the way this scene I don't know. plays out. Like, how does he survive this fall? What city are we in? New York. Are you just guessing? Well, the. the if they're if they're trying to stay true to the source material, they were in New York. Okay. Aren't they in like Hub City in in uh, the TV show? In the uh, TV show, yeah. Okay. Well, it's certainly brighter than Gotham. Mm-hmm. Would ah! it make sense for them to live in like some walk up in the village or Brooklyn or something? You know, they're young, they're hip, you know, yeah. it's just, it, it just, he's, he's like, and look how far up he is. Like, how do you survive that fall? Yeah. Well, he has to dislocate his shoulder first. Yeah, and but then at the same time, it's strategically just, located garbage. Yeah, it's just, it, it's like, you couldn't have just changed the building to be a few stories up and he like, you know, you know, he falls, he maybe catches the fire escape or whatever. He could still injure his shoulder. Yeah. He's going to Mel Gibson it back in anyway. I love how he's just constantly armed. So is he wearing Kevlar? No. I thought he was. I thought, oh, that makes sense. He probably has his Nightwing suit underneath. But that's not. But and I can't really tell. And I just blinked. So, so how I can't does he tell. survive? Oh, do you not remember? No, I guess we'll see. Yeah. Do you think this makes sense? They didn't establish enough hatred for Raven from Terra. 
they established some, they established some suspicion, but they didn't, they should have fleshed that out just a little more for her to really hate her because Raven was on to her. You don't think Raven would have been able to take her out easily? They, um, she, if Tara was able to catch her off guard and knock her unconscious with a big boulder or something, she would have definitely been able to. Here's your answer. It's the board. Do you like that? It was the board that he picked up, but I don't really know when he was able to shove it in. Yeah, shirt. I just, uh, any lethal Also, weapons? his arm would still be really sore right now. Yeah, I know. But we've all I seen Lethal Weapon 2. You ever see Lethal Weapon 2? Yes, but I don't remember that scene. There's a scene where Mel Gibson, um, in the very beginning, he shows how to get out of his, he can get himself out of a straitjacket by dislocating his shoulder willingly and then getting himself out and then slamming it back into place. And then later in the movie, it ends up being a, a thing that he gets out of a trap. Is Renee Russo in that one? No, or- Renee Russo starts in three. Oh, okay. They kill his girlfriend in that one. In two. You shouldn't do that to Mel Gibson. <laughs> I don't want to do that. I don't really like Mel Gibson anymore, so... <laughs> Again, this is another thing that... Sympathy? I saw the suspicion... Well, a little bit of her, but the suspicion between him and her, and, like, it wasn't fleshed out enough. And again, you don't like him right here, where he's like trying to speak with her, truthfully, and all this. You don't like it. I like it. I just wish, like you said at the beginning, how they had they. Uh, it's like they went in thinking the audience was going to automatically know that she is who she was, mm-hmm. so they didn't feel the need to build her character, or they didn't need to, to fill in the character. Aside from this flash is a backstory from a here and here we go with this crap. But um but like they didn't give the origin of like how she formed the team and like, you know, they didn't build enough suspicion mm-hmm. in that. I just I didn't think it was I like I said, this storyline works better serialized than in a movie. Or the the previous movie should have set more up. Ooh. Damien's the one that took out his eye. Ah. Uh oh, she's gonna delete the photo, oh no. But it's always there, there's always a trace. Mm-hmm. In uh in the comics it was his wife. Did they bring in the Ravager in at all? The Rose Wilson Ravager? To this? Yeah. Have they brought her in? You mean this movie universe? Yeah. No. She's an interesting... Have you ever read the comics with her and everything? Mm, Some. But not enough. She's an interesting... He was, like, controlling her, and she took her own eye out. It it was done pretty well, yeah. Wait, was that... Did you give me something to read with her in it? I feel like I remember that scene. 
Maybe it was just Teen Titans with Jeff Johns. It wasn't the Jeff Johns Teen Titans. Maybe that's why I saw yeah, it. Yeah, because that Jeff sounds Johns familiar. Titan. I never gave you any of it. Okay, this is what I was saying. Like, he's got his cult, right? Mm-hmm. They didn't have to be the Hive. Like, it, it just it, it's like you know. Okay, so he he hires Deathstroke and it's his cult. Like, it never made sense why they had to shoehorn the Hive into this just because it's yeah. the source material. You know, you could pick one. Yeah. Especially since you could always save Hive and then have, like, Mammoth and Jinx and, like, bring in some classic characters. Yeah, from, like, the Fearsome Five and the Brotherhood of Evil. And I'd like to see Phobia. And, uh, and some of the, and the Brain and Monsieur Mala and, like, that. That would be a pretty interesting, uh, story. Waffles! You know who likes waffles? Stephanie Brown. Yeah. Makes me sad. <gasps> so here she is with her new haircut. Ooh, she's, she's got some shadowy edgy. eyes. Wow. Yep. And she's it's, got three... It's the eyeliner uh, of evil. Earring. Yeah. And the three earrings there. Oh, dear. And she used to call her... I love it the comic. She used to call her balloon bod. Oh yeah, I remember that. Not a lot of gray area there. That's funny. Thank you for that. You're all gonna die though. That's one of my favorite ones. They're in the pit of despair. That's a scary place to be. I just sucked one year of your life away. They're going to take them all to Miracle Max. And let's be honest, like, the Hive, is your branding that important to you that everything looks like a B and you have the letter H on your hubcaps? Of course, just like that AIM. (laughs) It's like a lot of, like, AIM, isn't it? She gets upset. She's got a She's short fuse there. Crazy now. Ooh. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh man. They're they're overselling this. They're overselling it more than Marv Wolfman did. And that's hard to do. This is yeah. I knew right away where this was going. I was like, oh, he's going to give up to Arrow. Well, yeah, that, that's the thing. It's like, here we go with the uh, the redemption arc. Because she just, like, she's filled with hatred. She goes after him in the battle with the Hive mm-hmm. because Joseph possesses him and frees the Titans. And, right. And she's just like, she hates everybody. Mm-hmm. Here it's like okay, I'm going to turn on him, so it makes sense, but at the same time, then it's like, then we'll see later, it's like she remembers the kiss and all. It's just like, come on, why do you give this character a redemption arc? She's evil. Let her be evil. Let her die because she was evil. It happens. Um, You know, have you seen Predator? Yes. And Predators? Predator 2? I've only seen... Well, I've seen Predator many, many times. I saw Predator 2 once. 
Never saw predators. Well, you know how they have, like, they sort of have a moral code to a certain extent. Uh-huh. Like, they won't go after someone who's unarmed. And then in yeah. Predator 2, if you remember, there's that one cop that's pregnant and, and the predator mm-hmm. doesn't go after her. Do you? So my question is, do you, does Deathstroke have a moral code? Even though he's a killer? Because right there he just, you know, betrays I would. I would say that on some level he has scruples, but here he wants the money. It's like Beauty and the Beast. It is. Or blood that's coming down. Be our guest. Be our guest. Okay. I do like his costume here. Um, question. I thought in the original story he drains people's blood. And he was going to do that for the Teen Titans. Yeah. I didn't think it was tonic. He, like, bathes in it or something, yeah. But here he's sucking life force so he can become, like, evil Titan Frankenstein monster thingy that he's going to become. Which is weird. Yeah. Here's I do like that because, you know, yeah. villains do go on and on and have their little yeah. villainous monologue and then it turns against them. So. But here's the thing. Yeah. Why didn't Slade just leave? He got paid. Yeah. It's not like they, they didn't wheel Joseph in, like, in, and that's why he's sticking around because it's his kid. There's no reason for Slade to be here at this point other than the fact that you Well, he does to try to leave him. right now, remember? Mm-hmm. But you just wanted him to leave right away. See, look. My brother. This is where I was saying, like, this whole scene reminds me of Ares in the end of the Wonder Woman yeah, movie. It's I wondered if uh, Brother Bo was going to try to kill Deathstroke. Look at her tearing up, man. It's mm. emotional for... Hail Macbeth. Hail... Oh, oh, what? Hail Thane of Cordor. Hail King of Scotland. This is so cheesy, super villainy. He might as well be Skeletor at this point. See, he was able to get in on his own? But this is where I think it would have kind of... First of all, Damien has no powers. So why is Damien... Yeah, but that doesn't make sense. So, so this what is else, where... Well, I would, okay. This is where it would have been you cool go. had Damien escaped mm-hmm. and he and Nightwing led this assault. I just think it would have been a yeah. cooler story beat. And I disagree. You said about Damien there. I disagree with the Scarab because the Scarab is alien technology. So there's no reason yeah. why that should have been transferred over to Brother Blood. But you see that he has he's able to like have a cannon in his hand and stuff. Does that one doesn't make sense for me? Yeah. Oh, Dick. Oh. 
Well, this it reminds is... me of a TV show called Ben 10. I've heard of it. Well, this escalated quickly. <laughs> it sure did. He's still worried about the big T. Even if she got all punk on him. and I liked that. Yeah. Because it references when he's like, in a week you'd call me Papa and bring me my pipe. See, here's a nice little team up that you wanted. Yeah, it it just it would have made me like Damien a little more had it just been like he's just he's barely in the movie. I just want you to give him a chance. I don't give him a chance. It's just you know if they're gonna have the character in the movie, do something with him. Oh dear. Did he turn into a monster in the comics? Um, Brother Blood or Gar? Yeah. Brother Blood. No. Um. Okay. I didn't remember. He's not part of the Deathstroke plot of the Judas Contract. It's a separate storyline that kind of intersects. Yeah, that's right. And he's taken out by the, um, Zandian government. Oh, they had that underwater uh, base, right? Yeah, well, that was the hive. Oh, okay. They had the underwater base. That, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's where it gets a little confusing and stuff like that. But, you know, this was also back in a time when um, writing for the trade was not even heard of. And, uh, like, Paul Levitz had the whole thing of the A plot, B plot, C plot, D plot, and then, like, you know, that they would rotate, like, you know, the B would move up to A, C would move up to B, like, over the course of several issues, so you could have several stories going at once, and Wolfman was doing a lot of that, too. This is very soap opera, too. It's like he's, like, a mezo or something, you know, like, yeah. I've got all the powers of the team that I'm fighting... Oh dear. He takes it all off now. That was actually pretty funny. But he survives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) 
this is a for as ridiculous as this brother blood bit is this is a pretty well done story uh, scene mm-hmm Oh, here we go with the spell. Exactly. I think, you know, do you think they would ever go with Dark Raven in these films? Because if we get Corey and Dick as close as they are now and do the whole wedding thing, do you think they'd pull that trigger? No, they would not pull that trigger. Nobody wants evil. Nobody wants that version of Dark Raven. When okay. you said Dark Raven, I was thinking of like the Trigon possessed one with the red skin and the, and the four. Well, they kind of did that, yeah, yeah last okay. movie, yeah. They did that, okay. Um, no, I no, they they would never go um, S and M Dominatrix Raven yeah. on the t shirt. That makes me unable to wear the t shirt. Oh, you wore it that one time. Well, um, you if you me. look at it, <laughs> I know I did. Um, I'm told I'm a manipulative person. Um, if you no. look, Corey. Corey and Raven are, they have similar designs, like jewels are in the same place at their waist, at their, hmm. like, chest, and then their, um, their hands, their wrists. Interesting. See? I don't know what the meaning is. Here we go. I just, this, it bothered me. It, I mean, I understand her fighting him. But it bothered me that, like, you know, we get this whole, she's gonna die a hero bit. It's just like, you consider that a hero? Well, oh, well, she does save Beast Boy. Yeah, just that this whole thing that's coming up. I'm just like, no, she's she brings everything down on herself because she completely snaps. So it's like a a super villain suicide by cop type of thing, you know? Like this, just and and that's what makes the the quote victory. Not necessarily a victory at the end of the Judas contract. There's just a lot of loss. This is where I was screaming on Twitter. You gave her an attention arc. You had one job. You do feel for him, though. Here we go. Here's Kevin Smith. <sighs> hey, look, kids. It's Kevin Smith. Yay, cameo. Make a movie that's halfway decent, man. Oh, dear. He you made... like mall rats? I love mall rats. But he hasn't made a good movie in like 15 years. What about the walrus man? I did not see that. It looked dumb. What was that called? Tusk. Tusk, yeah. 
That was based off of a true ad. Here's your favorite scene. Maybe not. How do you think he got that? I don't know. Do you ship Damien with... (gasps) It's Titus! Look at little Titus! How do you feel about this? I have no idea who that is. Oh, okay. A little doggy, Titus? Yeah. Titus Andronicus. (gasps) There she is! Watch her struggle, struggle, struggle! She looks rather young. They're watching um, Looney Tunes. I love yeah, it. Yeah, do you think that's actually what they would be watching? Uh, yeah, probably. Either that or like a romantic comedy or something. Maybe Pride and Prejudice with Colin Firth. <laughs> Too soon. This is nice, but it was really upbeat, and then all of a sudden it took a dive. Yeah. Do you think she would be at the surface like this? Man, I mean, he yeah. barely had a dig, and there she was. That's true. Because they didn't find her body in the comic, right? They did. And she's still alive. Look at her. Yeah. They they um, they um were all digging through, and, and they found it. And there's no dialogue in the scene, actually. The last words are, we found Tara's body, and it's just him... Holding her crying. I think it's shot from like over the shoulder too. You don't even see his face. Oh. How come they're revealing their identities here? What's up with that? Well, I guess just Jaime. Only Jaime. And thus it ends. Yes. The Teen Titans, yeah. though it's not over. No, we'll we have to. We, we have to. We have to stay through the credits. Yeah. Um. Well, an easy question to ask is, um, voice voice acting. What do you think about the, it overall? I thought the voice acting was really good. Um. Not nobody sounded out of place. Uh. Nobody sounded off to me or anything like that. Um, Brother Bro was a little bit... Probably, you know, it was Brother Bro was written in a way it was just kind of like, eh, but uh, for the most part, yeah, I thought the voice acting was really, really good. What'd you think? Um, oh, no, absolutely. I think, uh, I think they're all very good. I, I really like Miguel... For so, yeah. I, I miss him. Yeah, I'll miss him. Though I do enjoy, uh, what's his name? He plays um, the demon there. That that one guy. Oh my gosh, everything's blanking. Hell, not Hellraiser, but Hell. Oh, Ron Perlman. Yes, thank you. Oh my Hellboy. goodness. He plays Hellboy. Hellboy. Yeah. Um, I do like him. So maybe if they have Deathstroke anymore. Mm-hmm. Who knows if he survived? Probably. Whenever you don't find a body, you know they're coming back. Um, yep. That maybe they'd bring him back, but 
uh, I think that's a great job. I think Christina Ricci did a wonderful job, and uh, all the Titans, I think, uh, are are well done. It took me a little while to get used to the Raven voice, um, but mm-hmm. I yeah, I think she's fine. So I'll be interested to see who voices Donna. Yeah, it's true. If if they do a uh, a if movie, they do another movie next with her, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which uh, which is interesting because really she's the same age as Dick, isn't she? So yeah. do you think they'll de-age her and and she'll be a little younger and she'll be the same age of Beast Boy and stuff? It's very possible. It looks like that's what they were looking to do, which is kind of a bummer. Maybe because, she'll be Terry. Yeah. <laughs> if you saw Terry in an animated film, what would you do? It depends on the context. If they put it okay. in there as a gag, I'd probably yeah. laugh. Maybe she goes to class and her teacher. Yeah, like it's just like a like an Easter egg gag. That would yeah. be pretty funny. Where would you go from here if you were to make another Teen Titans film? What storyline would you adapt? It, I'd probably Blackfire because that's what looks like what they're setting okay. up, right? Yeah. It, they they haven't shown her sister, have they? No, I no, mean yeah, so with the intro here and I her would, talking about it, and yeah. Yeah, I would probably set up. Oh, here we here we go. I would probably set up Blackfire. So yeah, so this is when I was like, oh wait, maybe it is really Jericho. Yeah, the bullet comes like out too. a la Wolverine, and then this happens. Yeah. Here. What? How does Jericho actually get his powers though? He's a mutant. His oh. his fa- he. I think he they're called his, metahumans. No, no, he actually, um, he was, as Addy explains it, he was born a mutant because of the way that the experiment on altered Slade's DNA, for whatever reason, that affected Joey. Okay. And he has that power. Okay. So that's very different, obviously, what we have here. And and you think that people follow the Blackfire thing? I just wonder if not casual... Readers, casual people who just like the films would be engaged in her in in having it off world and her marrying Titans a giant slug. In space, yes. she's not going to marry a giant oh, slug. Why not? Stella. That that guy what was his name in the Teen Titans cartoon. Remember, she had to marry that guy that was like an elephant slug. But then you find out that um, it's, it was all yeah. a, a dupe. Yeah, it's been a long time since I watched the Teen Titans cartoon. So, um, no, they probably her, her, it would be like they, she gets captured and they're going to kill her or something like, mm-hmm. you know, abduction type of thing. The um, star jammers arrive and everything. Very much so. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess we'll see. We'll, we'll put our money where our mouths are, I guess, if that happens. Uh, yeah. I bet you'd be really interested in watching that. So I think maybe listeners can tell that some changes have been made. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the changes that were made helped the film or harmed it? Some yes and some no. I think the change of Jaime from Vic, even though I miss Vic Stone and I miss Cyborg, but I know he's that's a Justice League thing, I think that worked. Mm-hmm trying to think of the the development of the relationship between Corey and Dick I thought was done very well uh, in a way that really wasn't in the comic until later on anyway uh, they just get together in issue 26 and they've been together but they're not like living together um, it's just they've been dating or whatever and he's going through his Batman stuff 
some of the other changes, like I said, I guess the brother blood thing worked in a way. It was sl- it was better the second time. Watch because I watched this the other night mm-hmm. just to watch it before the um, before we did this, and I have found myself doing the doing that flat out comparison to the source material type of thing and watching it a second time. I found better things in it. I thought Terror's perform Christina Ricci's performance of Terror I thought was very very good, and I thought her she was a good character up until that end thing. Like mm-hmm. I just don't think they needed to save her in the end. I just don't. Gar could very well go along and have what he said about or have that picture or how like have this live in denial about how he thought that she changed or whatever. She wasn't who she was, but you know, there's, I think it just leaves more of a mark in the way that, that it was originally done. It stayed pretty consistent in, in in enough places. I thought it was it was pretty good. And then I was you know there were little nitpick details that I was just you know was nitpicking because that's what you do. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I, I think a number of the changes did work. But I think in some cases they didn't go far enough with adding or subtracting characters from the story. Yeah. Like I said, like I I don't like Damian Wayne. Yet at the same time. If you're going to have that character and he's going to be like Robin's badass, then use the character. Have him get out of that somehow and fight his way out and then find Grayson and the two of them work together. You know? Yeah. So, because I've read a few issues of the Grant Morrison Batman and Robin, and I liked how Morrison had this chemistry between the two of them. You know, and like you could very well do that on screen with him and uh, with him and Dick. And it's like, why didn't you do that? You had a very good opportunity for that. It would have been a really cool way to do it because you don't have Joey like you do in the in the comic. So have Dick sneak in and infiltrate it with Damien and the two of them go in and they start taking him out. I mean, it just you don't need to do the whole brother blood. It only works with so many people like thing like whatever. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, Dick wasn't alone when he infiltrated the the base, so it would have been nice to have a little partner there. Yeah, yeah, I think you know the difficulty with this particular film is that you are basing it off of source material that is much loved or beloved, and at the same time, you need to match it with the current continuity you have. Yes. So they're sort of, you know, splitting it half and half here. So I think changes needed to be made, obviously. And some of them, I, you know, I'm fine with the, the, the roster that they have. But like I said, mm-hmm. at the top, I, I think I question how long it took people to be suspicious, especially Blue Beetle and Damien, for I think obvious reasons. The Scarab is pretty suspicious generally. I think it's yeah. it's pretty sensitive as to certain things, and I think it might sense what's going on. And Damien is just a suspicious kind of guy. And so I think someone coming from out of nowhere asking to join the team is someone <laughs> that you might want to keep track of. And, yeah, the, the sympathy there, basically making her a villain that, uh, we can feel bad for that look at what happened to her of course she turned out this way and man she's even betrayed by the person that she loved how sad is this so you know that's i guess we all i don't know 
but it seems like consistently now, modern day comics and things, we try to make our villains sympathetic. Uh, their origin story, mm. you know, there's always something wrong yeah. with them, or they might have mother or father issues, and you're like, oh, that explains so much. Can't oh, you just be a jerk? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, make her just an out and out villain. So I think. I don't know. I guess maybe they didn't want it to be dark, dark because they just did Killing Joe. Who knows? Uh, and they wanted to have something more positive at the light at the end of the yeah, tunnel. But, but but the Killing Joke is dark for like totally different reasons True. than this villain goes just goes completely over the edge and tries to kill everybody, but ends up killing herself in the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Killing Joke's like vulgar. Oh yeah, in a sure. big way. Yeah, and and what you have at the end of the Jesus contracts is not it's not like that sort of vulgarity, and it's and it you know it's the sort of and it's the anti like because because Wolf's whole thing was making her the anti Kitty Pride, mm-hmm. and it's the anti noble death at the end of Darth Phoenix, Dark Phoenix, where Jean Grey sacrifices herself for the greater good. Tara Markov like brings it all down on her literally and it's it is it's the it's it's the term suicide by cop you know the idea that you know you're gonna i'm gonna go out guns blazing and you know, damn the authority damn right. the man and, and everything and it's basically what she does mm-hmm. and and here it's like no you know just you're bringing everything down on the villains because you're trying to make up for what you did mm-hmm you're, you now it turns into a noble sacrifice, yeah. and I don't need a noble sacrifice out of Terra. I need her to go nuts mm-hmm. and bring everything in on her because that's what was always going to happen. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, because she snapped. Mm-hmm. She went she too far gone, just like the rage and the it just consumed her, and it just and and that's that's what it was. That's what I. That's what I love about the ending of the original thing, and that's what bothered me about the ending here. However, there are a lot of other elements in this movie that really work mm-hmm. and work very, very well. Absolutely, it's not totally awful. I didn't hate it. Oh, I'm so glad to hear you say that. Well, I. I mean, I feel like I, I shouldn't even ask this question, but which interpretation do you prefer, the Judas Contract? Oh, I still prefer the comic. Yeah. <laughs> but then again, I was I always going to prefer the comic. Yeah. You know, it's it's not. Yeah, you're right. You're like, but but this isn't. This is not like of what we will. You know, this isn't an adaptation. I'm like that. I'm not going to pretend that doesn't exist or anything. So, yeah. For whom would you recommend this? Uh, would you recommend it to fans of Judas Contract? Would you recommend it to casual readers? I mean, what is the intended audience here? That's a tricky question because I'm not entirely sure because you label it the Judas contract and you're going to get the hardcore fans because they're going to want to see what this is. But at the same time, it's so far removed in terms of like the Teen Titans as we know them now are so far removed from the original ones in a big in a way that you could give this to a casual fan. You could give someone who, who considers the DC like his – um, the DC animated movie universe, his thing, or, or, or whatever. I think it's also hard to give this to a casual fan if they haven't read, or, or if they not have, they haven't read, if they haven't seen the other movies. Like I was lost on bits and things like yeah. that. Like, like you said, the Deathstroke had been killed and brought back and stuff, 
and he's got those lines with this face off of Damien where he's talking about how it was my turn or whatever. So I, I totally didn't get what he was talking about. Oh, yeah. Because he was with Ray Ghoul. Yeah, and yeah. so and so there's and then there's the whole thing with little bits and pieces of Trigon and things. So like there's continuity there that I didn't get. It didn't take away from my enjoyment of the main story, but it, it was a little hard to follow in, in some places. Yeah, I almost wonder if you could have done a standalone as I believe the Killing Joke is, uh, and just had it adapted, you know, and have it out of the current cinematic mm-hmm. or animated continuity and just have a standalone and and see what would have happened there but because we wanted to bring it in or they want to bring it in and have it in that same continuity you're walking a fine line there so you have to please both audiences you have to maintain enough of the original story that it's pleasing those fans and you're also creating connections uh, between other films that have come before in this particular universe so it's hard I think uh, I, I feel like they did a good job given what was tasked for them. I, I don't yeah. know if anyone is going to be wholly happy with you know <laughs> with how it turned out. Uh, I think there would be complaints on either side. Yeah. Uh, the one the one major change I would make aside from the ending of what I was complaining about because the ending is shot well. It looks exactly like it did in the comic mm-hmm. in a big way. It's just the redemption bit that bothered me. The prologue and we both brought it up. Yeah. Make the prologue her getting into the group, yeah. Because then you then you establish enough, just a little backstory. Mm-hmm. And if you need to put Corey landing, have a flashback scene of like where they're sitting around. We've come a long way since we met, honey. Yeah. That's right, Dick. Flashback. Yeah. Uh huh. Now let's go. You're you're perfectly adequate. And that was a funny line that we both were talking yeah. over. Let's uh. You know, let's go have some some Tamaranian fun. Yeah, so. and even if if the next movie is focusing on her, why couldn't that have been the prologue for that? Yeah, or something like up, that. You know, the coup and everything, and then yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that was a little mix. I don't know why they put that in there. I didn't find yeah. that um, helpful, quite honestly. They're, um, they're trying. It was almost like they were trying to Marvel movie it in a way that didn't work. Because there's some stuff in like. Um, it's so Age of Ultron that sets up like the Thor Ragnarok movie that like you had to know was coming in order to be like, why is there this scene? Oh yeah, I think it was. I, I I've only seen Age of Ultron once. I have to I have to go back and watch it again. Yeah. What grade would you give this? I would give this probably about a B minus. A B minus. B minus or a B. It's it's in the B range. Okay. Yeah. B minus or B. I would. Ah oh, man. I would say B plus A minus. I actually really enjoyed it. Enjoyment factor alone, I think the grade is very high. Uh, and I know that I criticize it a lot. But, you know, as far as storytelling and, like, nitpicking things, there are some things that don't exactly make sense. Like, how would you be able to absorb an alien technological power and then you'd be able to use that? Or how Jericho was hit by a crowbar and nothing happened, but he was all of a sudden shot by a gun and he was killed. <laughs> so, you know, certain things like that. But yeah. overall, I, I thought it was uh, well done. And, um, yeah, I well, I've watched it twice already, so I think I'll take a break. Yeah. But if ever I find um, the desire, I think I, that I would watch it again. Well, you don't have the baggage I do coming into this, stuff. I don't. Though. I don't. Yeah. If they so. were to adapt a Donna Troy story, what do you think it would be? 
Maybe the Who is Wonder Girl thing with the Titan seeds, if they're not going to connect her directly to Wonder Woman. Believe it or not, Total Chaos could get – you could pull that off with the Team Titans basically doing like a Terminator type of storyline, although it involves Terry Long. Your BFF. Ugh. Do you need him? You know the story behind Total Chaos? I don't. What is that in the background? Um, Someone potentially drunk coming out of the car. Cool. Um, <laughs> it's not the, the storyline. The storyline is that basically <laughs> the storyline is that basically Donna Troy is Sarah Connor. Oh, from the and, Terminator. And yeah, okay. and the Team Titans are sent back in time by a mysterious leader who was a former Titan mm-hmm. who was supposed to be Danny Chase. Oh yeah. But then um, the book got canceled. Team Titans got canceled, and Zero Hour is coming, so they decided to make it Hank Hall. Oh, um, so this because they decided connection. to make it Monarch. Oh yeah. But in the original thing, we never knew who the Teen Titans leader was. They're sent back from the future because there's this overruling, this overlord dictator called Lord Chaos, mm. and Lord Chaos is Donna Troy's son. Oh dear. Donna Troy and Terry Long's son, and at the end of the Titans hunt. One of the reasons Donna Troy is never captured by um, Jericho because he betrays the the Titans because he's possessed. It's I mean it's just I wrote all. If you go to popcultureavidavid.com, there's a tab called My Life as a Teen Titan, and there's a whole listing of blog posts I did recapping the '90s Titans. That's popcultureavidavid.com. She's never captured because she's like in Greece or whatever. When she comes back, she's pregnant. Hmm. And so they go to kill her while she's pregnant with the baby and Lord Chaos shows up. And it's kind of a fun story. And I could see them trying to do that, but I don't think they would because it's way too – like you're you're plucking characters out of obscurity beyond obscurity mm-hmm. for that one. I would say maybe like one of the who is or, – or, or something involving the Titans of Myth. Because mm. there were a couple of storylines involving the Titans of Myth that were pretty – that were like kind of a Clash of the Titans type of thing. Where um, the Titans of Myth escape Tartarus and Tartarus, or how the heck you yeah, pronounce it's Tartarus. it? Tartarus. I would like some Tartarus with my shrimp, please. <laughs> so they escape. They escape tartar sauce, and they um, and they fight on Paradise Island or whatever. There was so they could do that. I could see like the Who is Donna Troy thing as like a. Granted, they won't have like if they don't have the relationship between Dick and Donna, it doesn't work. But I could see the Who's Donna Troy as like a short film. Oh yeah. You know, it's played exactly as it is, yeah. but you have to have established of of this very wonderful, like brother sister ish mm-hmm. relationship between Dick Grayson and Donna Troy to do that. So what, I don't think that'll happen. What Jericho's story would you do? Jericho has a storyline. Does he not? There's nothing with him like centric. There, there's like I'm trying to think. There's him and his papa. Uh, there's a lot with him and his mother. Yeah, I wonder if Deathstroke's his father in this continuity. That's a good question. I don't know. He wouldn't be too happy. There was a four-part thing in Teen Titans Spotlight that nobody cared about. Oh, I guess I just thought he had a story. Like he doesn't really have that many storylines. He's just kind of there. Okay, that's sad. I don't think Marvin really never knew what to do with him. But he has such wonderful um, sideburns. Mm, and, and flowing pirate sleeves. Yes. And he's empathetic. Yes. Yes. As every man should be. 
Uh-huh. Okay. So. <laughs> All right, well. Yeah, I think we'll wrap this up now since we're yeah. we're sort of at the end. So overall, you, you would say that you enjoyed it, though you have your nitpicks because yeah. you're a Teen Titans fan at heart. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's just it's, I'm, I'm nitpicking it in the way that, that hardcore comic fans nitpick anything like this. But it's worth the rental. Yeah, I think so. Whenever it becomes available for rent, you got to buy it right now. I don't know if it's worth 20 bucks, but it's but it's uh, it's it's worth watching mm-hmm. at least once. Yeah, I'm sure it'll come to Redbox, hopefully. I also recommend it, and uh, I welcome any and all email, and I'm sure Tom will as well uh, if you have any criticisms or if you have any stories that you'd like to tell about your history with Judas Contract um, or your thoughts on this film as well. And I hope you like it, but I hope you have watched it before you listen to commentary because I want you to form your own opinions before you listen to ours, of course. Uh, Tom, before you leave us, I would very much like you to tell the audience uh, what of the 50 places we can find you, where are they are. There's only three, and they're all in the same place. Oh. Uh, they're all at 2TrueFreaks.com. I have In Country. I'm taking an issue-by-issue look at the Marvel Comics series, The Nom, and that is heading into its final 20 episodes. So uh, you, can see, you can see that over 2TrueFreaks. Well, it's just that the, the, the series is ending. Yeah. So... But I'm, I'm um, so uh, I'm about 78, 79 of that. Um, I have Pop Culture Affidavit, which is a podcast as well as a blog, which you can also find at popcultureaffidavit.com. And it really is everything random in the world of popular culture. There's mu- music, there's television, there's um, comics, there's movies. Uh, that comes out about just about once a month or so. And then I do this other podcast about literature uh, with this girl I know, uh, and uh, it's called Required Reading with Tom and Stella, and you can hear the two of us uh, once a month talking about uh, a piece of classic literature and whether or not we think it's uh, worthy of its place in the canon. So that's all of those are over at 2TrueFreaks.com. And, uh, and I, I pop up on other, other podcasts here and there every once in a while, too. I think for episode 100, we should change it to Required Reading with Stella and Tom. So. <laughs> it becomes. We're a little ways be, out, but. It'll become. It'll. We, we could. It's almost like it's going to become the blue dress, pink dress in Sleeping Beauty. Oh. Oh, yes. You yes. know what I'm talking I about, know right? What you're talking about, yeah. <laughs> and it gets crazy. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Well, thank you for coming on and taking your time. I always appreciate the knowledge that you lend this show, and I knew that you know way more about Teen Titans than I do, or perhaps a lot of people are in a little circle. So uh, I wanted to have you on, of course. Well, thank you for having me on. This is a lot of fun. Absolutely. Uh, remember, you can send any questions or comments to backrolloracle at gmail.com. Like the show on Facebook or follow it on Twitter at Backworld Oracle. And follow the Batman Universe on Facebook and Twitter as well. And be sure to support TBU by subscribing to Patreon. There are some nice little uh, prizes and things you can get, potentially, depending on the level that you donate. Once again, thanks to Mile High Comics for sponsoring Backworld Oracle, the Barbara Gordon podcast. And until next time, <gasps> fly on, Jericho lovers. Just plain Barbara Gordon, masquerading for a lark as she rides into the night on her special Batgirl cycle. Who knows? Is the dynamic duo destined to become the triumphant trio? Only time will tell us more about this dazzling dare doll. Batgirl! Ah, I love a house.
happy ending, don't you?